This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt. Your coach, your guide on this side. I'm back in my seat after a Mexican vacation to Cancun. Man, sporting a tan. Face is flaking all over the place. Flaky face. Uh, Flaky face. Welcome to the program, folks. Have we got a great show for you today? We will be talking with our uh, insider, our Washington insider, Joe Cannon, will be joining us. We, we always like to pick his brain to find out what's going on in the news. And uh, we'll be meeting with him as, uh, through uh, in just a few minutes after our news. Also, a little bit uh, into the next hour, we'll be talking with Julie Gunlock about how we've created a culture of alarmism, how we are afraid of everything. You don't, you know, until you've gone to Mexico and you can't drink the water, you know, we've really got it pretty good up here in the United States. It was interesting. Every time I'd brush my teeth, I'd use bottled water. I get home. I'm looking for the bottled water in my bathroom. Then I realize, no, Matt, just, just drink the water. Just drink the water. We're so fortunate to live in this wonderful country. And, uh, Honestly, when it comes right down to it, we probably need um, to focus a lot more on all that's going well in the in in our lives. Interesting thing is, I was looking at the news. We've got a lot of uh, a lot of political news today, and uh, but man, alive! Can you believe what's going on in Georgia? Uh, animals are running on the streets. Can you imagine sitting there and a jaguar or some? lion walks down the street in front of you or a hippopotamus for heaven's sakes they're they're dart they're they're shooting darts to tranquilize these poor hippopotamuses and then i'm thinking okay so now you've got him down now what do you do with a two-ton or whatever hippopotamus anyway interesting stuff going on there but uh it's good to be back it really is truly good to be back and have a chance i think to to be you know to, to have been there, I had about 80 people that were in Cancun with me. We had a pretty fun little event where we just did a lot of tours, got to go to Chichen Itza, one of the great you know, wonders of the world, the Mayan community with the pyramids down there. It was really pretty beautiful. Got a lot of beach time, got a lot of sun time, got a lot of sweat time. I've, I've realized that I'm a very uh, easy sweater. And uh, I don't know if that's the proper term, but uh, let's just say I don't glow. I just drip. I just drip. But we have great news, too. Brand new to the Matt Townsend Show. Who We have a brand new. We I, I leave for a week, and all of a sudden, Kathy Aiken is the queen of the century. We're taking over. Kathy, How are welcome you? to the show. Thank you. You're going to be the news extraordinaire. You're going to be able to walk us through all the news, all the headlines. We're going to give you the national news. We'll leave the BBC to the world news. We're going to do the national we'll news. We'll do the national news, and then I'll just cover the local stuff. That'd my be great. sweat, stuff like that. Kathy, welcome. Thank you so much. You do Mom, look nice and tan. I'm do jealous, I, very well, jealous. But you know what? If I shake my head, I get a little cloud of skin <laughs> that falls off. Now, the sweater part, I didn't get Was that because you were working out? Or no, it's because I, when I take my shirt off, I have a sweater. Have a sweater, sweater vest, a hair sweater vest on my body. No, I was, you know, I'm not even working out. I was just sitting there by the beach. But it's kind of muggy there. Yes. Humid. I don't do humidity, I've decided. Don't you? 
No. Well, it's good for it's good for your system. I'm to get a all dwe- that out. I'm a desert dweller. That's my goal. That's my goal in life. But Kathy, yeah. great great to have you here because honestly, a we need another voice of reason because we don't. Some would say we need a voice <laughs> of reason, but B, you're, you're she's a real time pro, folks. She's been doing the news forever. She, Ever. She's 30 years old, but she's been doing news for, for more than 27 years. Yeah, years. I started when I was three. It's <laughs> it was crazy. really weird. You spoke incredibly well as a child. <laughs> but you've done the jazz. You've done sports. You've done it all. So it'll be fun to have you on board. In fact, Thanks, let's Matt. just turn it over to you. Let's let you do the news. Let's get to it. Former Florida Governor Jeb Bush expected to make it official today, announcing he's running for president. This is what leadership's about. It's not just about yapping about things. There's a lot of people talking, and they're pretty good at it. What we need is new leadership that takes conservative principles and applies them so that people can rise up. America's best days are in front of us, and we are going to lead the world. Bush will join 10 other GOP candidates in the race. Of course, Jeb is the son of George H.W. Bush and brother to George W. On Twitter, however, the candidate's logo didn't have the name Bush on it. It just says Jeb 2016. Bush says his core beliefs are, quote, start with the premise that the most vulnerable in our society should be at the front of the line, not the back. Another possible GOP candidate, Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, is expected to officially join the race sometime in July. On the Democratic side, Hillary Clinton, if you saw it, officially launched her campaign for president on Saturday. The manhunt for two New York prison escapees enters day 10. The men reportedly had access to tools left behind by contractors. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said yesterday the men could be nearby or in Mexico by now. Joyce Mitchell, the woman charged with helping the men escape from the Clinton Correctional Facility, is due back in court today. In New York in North Carolina, yesterday afternoon, two teenagers lost their arms in separate shark attacks. A 13-year-old girl lost her arm below the elbow and a six 16-year-old boy's arm was amputated below the shoulder. The attacks happened yesterday afternoon in Oak Island, about two miles apart from each other. Though the beaches will be open today, people are asked to stay out of the water. The two teenagers, by the way, reportedly in stable condition. And the Golden State Warriors game uh, one win away from the team's first NBA title in 40 years. Last night, the Warriors down the Cleveland Cavaliers 104-91. The league MVP, Steph Curry, scored 37 points to lead the Warriors. LeBron James had another big night, a triple-double, 40 points, 14 rebounds, and 11 assists in the loss. Do you feel a lot less pressure this finals run just because you are undermanned and you had some injuries uh, as opposed to previous years? I feel confident because I'm the best player in the world. It's simple. Game six tomorrow, tomorrow night in Cleveland. Did you watch it last night, Matt? I did. Totally love it. Now, we have I – like, I, like, I like Golden State. Yeah. But you, you're a Cavs I'm fan. I'm a Cavs fan. I love LeBron. I think he is the greatest player in the he world. Yes, I no yeah. doubt. And you know what? Cleveland hasn't won for over 40 years. Yeah, I would love the so. city to win. If you could just right. go by city. But right. Steph Curry, I love. He's amazing. He is amazing. And good looking. Did you see his mom doing the dance? Yes. Very pretty woman. Yes, <laughs> she's good. But I actually, this will date me. I actually uh, remember when Del Curry played for the Jazz Did many, you? many years ago. Oh, my Many heavens. years How ago. How old yeah. are that? That's like 30 years. That's, that's like, a long time that's ago. A long don't, time? Yeah, don't okay, see it. Hey, and Jurassic World became the highest global mo- movie opener of all time earning nearly $512 million over the weekend. The domestic take was $204 million, but Matt, it's not the biggest opening here in the U.S. Can you guess which uh, was number one back in 2012? Oh, wow. That soon. Um, Avengers. There you go. Very was it Avengers? Good, yes. Well, I just, I just knew 2012. 
Because that, that's the newest big movie. Yeah. I would have gone with the Star Wars would have been be- bigger. One of those opening. Yeah. No, it no. was Avengers. Jurassic World. Are you Wait, kidding? Did, you didn't see it. No. We're no. back to that. Yeah. Fourth movie of the Jurassic what? series. You know, it's so hard to get a sequel that bests the first. That first one was awesome. Yeah. But see, I'm not into I'm not into dinosaurs. Aren't you? Are you? Well, I Were have three boys. Ever? Yeah, absolutely. My youngest boy was None by my far kids... the biggest. He knew every every possible dinosaur out there, so it was fun. Jurassic World. Well, okay, man, that's depressing. That's like going back. We're going back. It's soon back to the future. We'll be back. <laughs> that's right. That's crazy. Did you, you see, see Na- National Lampoon's Vacation is being redone? No. Yeah, it is. I didn't care for that. That wasn't yeah. my favorite. So yeah. We'll stick with dinosaurs. <sighs> good job, Kathy Aiken. Good to see you, Matt. Good to have you and good to welcome. Welcome Thank aboard. You. And nobody died. That was a good thing. But we missed you. I've I've missed you guys. And I come back and now the show's just so much better. <laughs> So much I wouldn't better. go that far. No, it really is. Hey, uh, great uh, show coming up for you today. We're going to be talking with Joe Cannon. Joe Cannon is our Washington insider. We bring him in to basically pick his brain on what's going on in D.C. He's going to give us the inside scoop. He's got a lot of insight there. We'll be coming back talking about Hillary Clinton. Uh, what's going on with Mitt Romney? Why is he still like you know having dinner with all the GOP mega donors? We'll get into that, plus uh, a little bit of the Hillary reboot and the Supreme Court. All those topics up next. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. The doctor is in the house. Boy, you, you leave the country for a week and you come back and it just seems like a completely different country. That's why we've got to talk to Joe Cannon, find out what's going on in the political world. Joe's our insider, our Washington insider. He is the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation. If you go to their website, fuelfreedom.org, you can find out what their uh, nonprofit organization, charity, I don't know what we call it, nonprofit is doing to help decrease the costs of uh, fuel in the United States. It's a great thing. Uh, he was a past chairman of the Utah Republican Party and also was a candidate for U.S. Senate back in the day. Also served as an assistant administrator of the U.S. EPA from 83 to 85 and was the editor of the Deseret News and um, served some time. We're calling it time. It's like prison service. <laughs> no. Uh, as it's basically in charge of journalists. So he's very well-rounded. He's our Washington insider. Joe Cannon, welcome to the show. How are you, Joe? Good. How are you doing, Matt? Good. Where, where, where are you located today? I am in beautiful Richmond, Virginia. Mm, that is beautiful. Uh, we just came out to visit our uh, son and daughter-in-law who just had their second little baby. So that's why we're here. So Grandpa and Grandma are are visiting in in Richmond, Virginia. Is it uh, what's the weather like back there? It is hot and muggy. <laughs> Sounds like Cancun, but it's beautiful. It's green. And- yeah, that's the that's the great thing about Richmond is it's green, and nothing prettier than when the blossoms are there. Right. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about. We've got a lot of political news going on. Jeb Bush is announcing today. 
Uh, interesting yep. thing. You heard that he's got his brand new logo out there, which doesn't mention the name Bush. Just Jeb. <laughs> yeah. What, what's going on? What do you, I mean, he's he's got a great, you know, I guess, history of uh, as a governor. He's He is a Bush. He reminds me a lot more of his mom in a way. He just seems like a great guy, but he still carries the name Bush. No, I think he is a great guy. I think he was a terrific governor, uh, you know, from almost any perspective that you look at it, from a reform, as a conservative. I mean, he did a, he did a great job as governor. Um, but you just have to say, even among people who love him and love his family, of which I am one. You know, yeah. It's, there's a little bush fatigue. Yeah. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, you know, I was at a, a gathering. Uh, Democrats, Republicans, people from the left and the right, you know, just sitting around a table, probably about 20 people. And the the the, the, the term Bush v. Clinton came up. Uh. And everyone around the table, Democrats and Republicans, just like, you know, oh, no. Uh. You know, do we have to? Yeah. I heard a joke over the weekend, you know, that uh, that uh, Jeb was over in, in Europe recently uh-huh. on, a, on a trip, and somebody asked him, how come you came over here? Well, I like it over here, because you guys are used to families running countries for centuries. Oh, geez. Did he? That's a joke. He didn't say that. No, that's a joke. Oh, I was, was like, it's <laughs> so crazy. Yeah, he... he he's really... Um, he really is a great guy, and I think he's got a lot to offer... I mean, especially I think with his wife and his family, they're very diverse, and she is. It's a great uh, story. It's a great, it's a great story. story, and and you know what? It's a great story for kind of the Hispanic community to to have a, a Hispanic in the White House. I mean, how powerful is that with his wife? Yeah, no, I think um, you know, and he's got the next generation of Bush coming. Yeah, uh, uh, one statewide elective office in Texas. And anyway, so, his son, his son is going to be he's going to be the he's going to be a big deal, I think. Don't you think? Uh, yeah, no. And he's a very attractive person. Yeah. Uh, uh, as well as a political candidate. I mean, he's just terrific. But so, but but Bush, know, maybe maybe the thing of it is the only place, the only <laughs> a Bush Clinton could only work as Bush Clinton. Mm-hmm. Bush v. Clinton. You know, in other words, yeah, uh, uh, he'd have a hard time running against somebody not named Clinton. Right. Right. Uh, now she wouldn't have a hard time. I mean, she's whatever time she's going to have is going to be a harder or not. But it makes it easier for her if she's running against the Bush. Yeah. So, and, and probably in each of their minds, they both would kind of like the other person to be the candidate. <laughs> yeah, it would be kind of. It would, plus, it would be a pretty interesting race for everybody. But again, the fatigue, I think, would kick back in. Um, One of the things that it seems like Bush was touting is his his seniority, his ability as a governor, kind of his age. He was trying to distinguish himself against these younger senators that maybe don't have the diplomacy that he does, or they don't have the administrative ability is this because it's an interesting segue, I guess, into Hillary Clinton's reboot. I'm sure you saw parts right. of that reboot, but I did. I did. But she interestingly didn't mention at all her 
uh, her foreign credentials, her foreign policy credentials. So here's Jeb going to Europe to try to build his foreign policy credentials, yet Hillary's not even going to play there. What's going on there? Well, each case they have a they have a different uh, need, so she doesn't need to to burnish her foreign credentials. I mean, she was the Secretary of State, so there was going to be a lot of discussion about how good she was, how bad she was. But the fact is, she was the she foreign did it. policy person yeah. for the United States government, and uh, that's a pretty big deal. So she doesn't really need to say anything about that. A and B, of course. By saying it, she also puts it in an issue, and she doesn't have any. There's no upside for her right now, right? Into reminding people that she was the Secretary of State, and there's a lot of downside. Yeah, she'd have to bring up a lot of stuff. Yeah, so you know, so I mean, I think that was smart, smart move on her part. He, on the other hand, no matter what anyone says, as a governor, even as a governor of a state like Florida, which is incredibly diverse, it's still not an international platform. Right. And so so he has the opposites. He doesn't need to remind anybody that he was an executive manager, governor guy, but he does need to say, hey, look, I can play in this circle of nations as well as anybody and maybe better than any of my opponents. So hmm. in, in his case, he's trying to di- differentiate himself from his opponents uh, on the Republican yeah. side. So, yeah, they each I mean, they're both very, very smart politicians. And they've got some very, very smart people advising them. And I think they both, of course, we haven't heard Jeb's announcement yet, but, you know, it's going to optimize, maximize around his his uh, package. Yeah. Does uh, Hillary optimize around her, her, what she needed to do? Her strengths. What, uh, what do you think of Hillary? Was it a relaunch? I mean, there's a lot of talk about how this is her relaunch of a relaunch of a relaunch. Um, is Is she... Is she just why is she taking so much time to come out? I mean, and and is I mean, it seemed like to me having and I watched it that she nailed it. I mean, there's certain parts that you cannot get but get excited about, like the first female president. I mean, that's she's cornered the market on that. And it's pretty exciting. It's something you you want to do. No, she owns that issue. And that's a great issue for her. It's it's her best issue, but she also wants really, I don't want to say desperate, but she's very anxious to make sure that she's satisfying lots of other constituencies. So she, she owns first woman president. Right. There are a lot of other things that she owns that she has to minimize. And, and so I think, you know, she, she gave a great, she gave a good talk for her. Yeah. It was much more lively and other, she got she just still gets some criticism for it. But my sure. own view, just looking at it, she she made some um, uh, progress. You know, I don't think it was as boring as some of her you know critics say. Mm-hmm. It was lively, and you know she tried to tap into history, the whole for freedom thing, for fears. I mean, I I don't you know personally have a disagreement with her you know philosophical view, but. For her constituency, for what she needed to do, it was more than pretty good. It was yeah. it was like really good. Did she? She also went again, like I said earlier, very domestic agenda, and exactly. it seemed it seems like in her world. I mean, she got into student loans. She got into equal pay for women. She got into the kind of the the middle, the average American 
need for jobs and is can she sell that? Uh, well, she has to. I mean, uh, uh, again, although she's got the nomination really locked up, still she's getting a little fire from the left. Right. Uh, from three pretty smart people, pretty articulate people. And um, so she's, she has to pay attention to that because to win, she, she, you know, she sells primaries. And so, A, she's got a little bit of competition on the left. B, uh, to win... You have to turn out your base. You have to connect to your base. And one problem that's universally recognized by, I don't know about by her, but is that President Obama was able to electrify his base in a way that a lot of people are skeptical that Hillary could galvanize and electrify the base in the same way. Right. So a lot of what where she's going right now is not aimed at the general election. It's aimed at you know, uh, posting up against her, small though they are, but adversaries, and then B, really trying to connect with her base, or I'd say reconnect. I mean, mm. uh, I, I think she is personally a good deal to the left of her husband, but over the you know over the arc of history here, she's been much more centrist uh, because that's what her husband was. Yeah. So, so she she's got a job to to galvanize the base. She can't win if she doesn't really galvanize the base. It's not like her base is going to ever vote Republican. Right. The question is how many of her are going to actually show up and vote. Yeah. That's the problem. Well, and yet she's also, she can also probably draw a lot of females that just want to see the first female president. So she might be able to right. get a big pull there, too. Oh, she will. No, yeah. she's counting on that, and, and she should count on that. I mean, that is... Just that's, like that's, President Obama got a huge pull from his from from minorities, right? It's right. powerful, and that's the biggest tool in her toolkit. Yeah, man, interesting stuff. Well, Joe, let's take a break. Uh, I want to come back. I want to talk a little bit more about Hillary. Um, I just remember when, and and get, we'll get into Mitt Romney. But I remember Mitt Romney was really pegged as a flip flopper, you know, as the etch-a-sketch kind of guy that changed all of his views. But it seems like Hillary's been doing a lot of changing. Is that going to impact her? We'll talk about that. also want to talk about the trade agreement um, that she's really yet to speak on, except she basically Sunday just said, hey, you got to follow Pelosi on this, Mr. President, which is interesting. She's now kind of going against Barack Obama on this trade issue. We'll talk about that with Joe Cannon up next. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. To the Matt Townsend Show. On the phone with us is our Washington insider, Joe Cannon, also CEO of uh, Fuel Freedom Foundation. If you go to fuelfreedom.org, you can find their website, Fuel Freedom Foundation. It's a nonpartisan organization dedicated to reducing the cost of driving your existing vehicle by opening up markets to cheaper fuel. Let's bring cheaper fuel in. How about that? Anyway, he's here joining us as our Washington insider, uh, Joe Cannon. Welcome back to the show, my friend. 
Hi, how are you doing? Good. You still sweating in Richmond? <laughs> well, <laughs> sitting in an air-conditioned car, so I'm okay. Okay, yeah, right you're, you're all good. <laughs> you're good. So um, t- about the trade thing, this was a really crazy deal that President Obama was was pushing for because he had Republicans behind him, am I correct? And the Democrats yeah. were not supportive of it. Right. <laughs> Fill right. us in. Uh, help us understand that. Well, so as a general rule, uh, Republicans are very pro-free trade, uh, whatever that means. We, we can talk about what that means. But, but basically, taking down barriers against trade is a, is a very Republican idea, the whole idea of free markets. Right. America benefits from free markets. Okay. Uh, Democrats, on the other hand, are sort of split on this. So, you know, Bill Clinton himself is very strongly pro-free trade. And uh, and actually, that's, I think, pretty sure that's when NAFTA got, got uh, right. enacted. So, but not all Democrats are. And one reason they're not, there's actually an alliance of sort of two sets of Democrats on this. One is uh, unions really hate free trade. Right. So when you, if you saw some of the coverage of, of the defeat for President Obama, you know, a lot of the headlines said uh, big, big victory for for labor unions. Mm-hmm. Labor unions don't like it because uh, it opens up competition. I don't, I don't want to get into the politics of labor unions, but just bottom line is they hate the free trade agreement. Also, other people who are just sort of um, on the left, uh, this where Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, lots of folks on the left are, you know, position themselves against free trade on a range of, for a range of reasons. Globalization is bad. Quote, race to the bottom, close quote. So in other words, um, you know, we're just shipping low-paying jobs offshore. Hmm. And then environmentalists want to use free trade agreements as a mechanism to impose uh, U.S. environmental laws in other countries. Sure. So you have this whole co- coalition of people from the Democrats to the left, not the center-left. Center-left generally supports free trade, but the left doesn't. And so that's the, the problem. Interesting. Now, in this particular case, um, you've got there's some Republicans who are concerned about this free trade agreement. I mean, it is more secretive than usual. And most of the time, these international agreements are negotiations, and you know you don't you don't want to have all the negotiation out of the public. But there seems to be there's a fear, and since I haven't read it, I don't know. But there's a fear on the part of some people I respect saying, "Well, wait, you know they're going to load this thing up with all kinds of stuff." Yeah, uh, that we we haven't seen what it is. Um, so anyway, he did not get the. A, so what happened is the inverse of what usually happens. Usually these free trade agreements pass with almost all Republicans and some centrist Democrats. This time it lost because of Democrats and some Republicans who were afraid. Interesting. uh, Afraid of what was going to come out. So it's a a pretty interesting... uh, Well, and Hillary didn't mention it. So in her coming out, her second or third coming out party, she didn't, it didn't mention it at all. Except in the no, news she yesterday, this, she this well, why, and a, she can't, can she? This is a uh, this is a toxic issue for her because um, she can't come out in favor of it. She needs uh, to be moving the, left, not on the other hand. Right? Yeah, it's absolutely clear that the State Department supported this thing. Yeah, while she while she was there, 
And it's also clear that she and her husband, in virtually, to my knowledge, every, but I'll just say virtually because there may be someone that I don't know, but virtually every other international trade pact, free trade agreement, she supported, and for sure her husband supported. So now hmm. she, she, she can't talk about it. I mean, honestly, of all the things that she said that in answer to this, but in, in recent, you know, she's talked about where she is on day. For her to say, gosh, I just have to study this a little bit more, <laughs> honestly, is ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. She, she knows exactly where she is. She's she written the policies for years on this. Yeah, exactly. But, it also seems like, but she did come out and say that, you know, the president needs to listen to to Speaker Pelosi or past Speaker Pelosi on this issue, which was interesting because it's that's in 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 uh, in this election process. This is the first time it seems like she's actually taken gone against President Obama. I mean, subtly. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was subtle. But it's well, a, it, it, yeah, it's. She has to differentiate herself on this issue yeah. some way. Hmm. Uh, so I don't think she's going to stake out a big territory. I mean, she basically, that speech basically says, I'm the third Obama term. Term, you know, right. And, 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 and actually, she has to say that. It's not like if she ran any, any way different from that, she really risks losing that base that we talked about before. And in, maybe even empowering a, a genuine threat. Uh, to a candidacy is um, and this kind of leads us into this flip flopper idea. There are a lot of issues she's flipped on, and over the years, right? And I mean, even trade, apparently, <laughs> subtly. Um, but you know, uh, gay rights, um, women pay. I mean, all these different things that she she may have moved a little bit more on. Now, in the old days, a few elections ago. You know, Romney would get pegged as being a flip flopper, and that was like akin to just you know leaving your child at the zoo uh, in in <laughs> Georgia. And um, but what what is the deal? Is she going to get pegged as a flip flopper, or now is flip flopping okay? So I don't think that she'll get pegged in her intra party situation as a flip flopper because. All to the extent she is a flip flopper, they've all flipped okay. in the direction of her base. However, uh, once you get into the general election, where people are very carefully identifying all the all of the independents and people who need to be wooed, yeah, she could well be tagged with that on certain issues. Hmm. You know, it just it depends on what the polling shows, frankly. But on certain issues, she could be uh, she could be tagged that way. But I I don't. Seriously, sense that that'll be an issue in the uh, until the general election. Yeah, I mean, and it, I guess that's interesting too. It, it all depends on what fight you're fighting. Right now, she's got the intra-party battle, and that may not stick. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, you, you don't always think of it as intra and general election kind of stuff. Talk about Mitt Romney. Why is he still? having parties with billionaires and uh, candidates. What's his, what's he trying to do? Some say he's trying to be the kingmaker, the dealmaker. What's he doing? Uh, you know, he just had an annual retreat, his third annual retreat, um, third time he's done it, with GOP mega donors. I think he had six candidates that showed up to pitch their goods. What's he, what's he trying to be? Well, you know, uh, he owns a really big piece of uh, real estate from a, ideological, philosophical perspective, you know, and he, you know, is the most recent 
candidate. I actually went to one of those uh, a couple of years ago. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting gathering. It, it tended to be more bipartisan in the past, although even this time they had, you know, people from both sides there. I, I think it's just uh, something to do to kind of preserve his his position as a, as a national leader, as a spokesman for the Republican Party, and and, and in particular, a particular perspective uh, of, on the Republican side of things. So I think it's just kind of preserving a place that he's sort of rightfully won right. uh, as, as, the, as the nominee. Um, it also brings together a lot of his, of his investment banking and, and uh, fund in connection with it. You know, his, his, uh, his fund has some meetings, too. Yeah, he he and uh, others manage. So, but but you know, it's a very robust discussion. You know, as I said, I attended one of them a couple of years ago, and it was interesting to see a lot of people. I mean, David Axelrod. Yeah, and this is like right after the election. David Axelrod shows up to talk about autism, for example. Really? So yeah, yeah. How interesting was the food? Pretty good, Joe. That's what, yeah, that's what I'm worried it's about. Good. It's up in you know, it's up in Deer Valley. It's a nice, yeah. nice place. <laughs> good, long they're eating well. Hey, um, what about uh, Supreme Court? We've got a lot of big announcements that need to come down in the next few weeks. I guess um, anything yeah. we need to be paying attention to there? No, I mean nothing that I can add a lot of light to. The, the yeah, the, I mean the the, the nope. two biggest issues from a public standpoint are going to be the the whole gay marriage issue and what the court does on that and that could be uh, uh to hazard a, a uh, let me hazard a guess is what's going to happen if the court this is kind of complex but if the court decides that gay marriage is a fundamental right under the constitution then it puts a, a, at issue two fundamental rights religious liberty right. and gay marriage so what I think the court will end up doing is saying, great, it's fine for gay folks to get married and for states to allow it, uh, but I don't think they'll call it a fundamental right because I think they want to avoid that... Um, Quagmire. That cla- yeah. yeah, so that's, that'd be my guess on and, and then that basically just means every state can go back and, and have kind of the state-by-state battle. And Well, my guess is it'll be broader than that. I, okay. think, I think that they'll say that it will be hard for states to prohibit gay marriage. Yeah, you can't prohibit it. You just uh, yeah, but it's not necessarily but, uh, a fundamental but right. Not being a fundamental right means that okay, that's okay. It's a good thing to happen. It doesn't happen to be mentioned in the Constitution. Therefore, they kind of preserve that space uh, for religious liberty. But don't know. But that's and of course the other big thing is uh, Obamacare. Uh, Obamacare. You know, President Obama, in, in my view. <laughs> Uh, this decision is already made, but people are still trying to influence it, I guess, somehow. But uh, uh, it, t- to me, it's open and shut, and uh, people on the other side, it's open and shut. So I wouldn't even say which side is switch. I'll just say that both sides think it's open and shut, and we're going to get uh, five or six justices that are going to tell us. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. Well, but you know what? Yeah. And, and again, like, whatever they say, it's also still pretty much – so now whether it's legal or not, it's still pretty much the deal. It's, it's only one piece yeah. of the whole uh, Affordable Care Act. So, you know, this isn't deciding the whole thing. This no. is just deciding a 
piece. Yeah, it's how they all. It was those those uh, external registration groups that I don't. Right, I can't, right. can't remember what they were called. Interesting. So, Joe, what do we need to be paying attention to? What's on your radar when it comes to politics that we just need to make sure we're watching? Well, I think kind of an interesting thing, and maybe this could be the subject of another show, but uh, there's a guy named Sheldon Adelson. Yeah. Who poured millions, Big money tens, guy. tens of millions of dollars into right-wing candidates, including giving $10 million to Newt Gingrich before he switched to before he, Adelson, switched to uh, Romney. Right. On the left, you've got a guy probably less known, but vastly wealthy Hollywood mogul named Hein Saban, uh, big, possibly the biggest Clinton uh, bundler and, and funder of left-wing causes. The two of them have come together to, to create a fund to oppose what's called the BDS movement. That's Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions. Of, of companies who who are connected to Israel, and this mm. is very widespread on U.S. campuses, on, on college campuses uh, in the United States, and it's really a thinly veiled uh, effort to it, it masks and allows for a great deal of anti-Semitism on today's campuses, mm. and so it's a very well-funded effort. I mean, on the the BDS movement is very well funded on the part of Palestinian and Arab uh, causes. Interesting. So, so guys they're throwing their the money at the it. Left and the right to say, okay, we better we better stand up against this because there's there's a very deep and serious wave of anti-Semitism sure. on campuses today, largely connected to this so-called BDS movement. So, so anyway, to have a, a okay a very of the far right and far left. Is it going to enter politics? Because it, it, it hasn't, it doesn't seem like it's, it's like been a big topic in the political arena. No, and I don't think it will be in terms of, you know, electioneering. Yeah, right. Um, but, but it's a very deep, deep issue on campuses. And, and so I think they're going to be funding student groups and, uh, and researchers and people to kind of talk about the issue just to bring it to light to make sure that sure. that there's at least somebody speaking on the other side. I mean, just just last uh, a few weeks ago, uh, you had um, a, a woman running a college student at UCLA running for to be on some student governing council, and she was made to come in and sit down and talk to everybody. Directly asked, "Well, do you think your position as a Jew?" As a Jew, do you think wow. you can be open-minded on other issues? Wow. Just imagine that being said in any other context. Yeah, sure. And that, that kind of incident has multiplied across campuses across the United States. Interesting. Well, that's good. Now now you've got two billionaires focusing a light on it. Yeah, and, and from opposite ends of the political spectrum. Yeah. So obviously, they share a common interest in, in Israel and anti-Semitism. Sure. Oh, that's great. That's actually that's very important to focus on. See, Joe, you always go back to the important things. Just a little shout out I want to give. Yeah. I mean, there's a guy named Abe Foxman, who is the head of the, of the Anti-Defamation League, yeah. a Jewish organization, and he is retiring this week. Oh, Wonderful great. man. I know him very well personally. Love the guy. He has uh, stepped up to help all kinds of causes besides Jewish causes. Um, and including times when sometimes the Mormon Church has been 
under attack. So you need a you need a guy like that and a and a, and and a program he's like a that. wonderful person and a wonderful friend uh, to lots of causes. And I love the guy, and I'm sad to see him go. Perfect, beautiful way to end the whole deal. Abe uh, Foxman, congratulations on many years and uh, happy retirement. Um, really appreciate you, Joe. Great stuff, and have a have a wonderful trip with your family back there in Richmond, Virginia. We're going to take a break, come back to a little coach's corner and uh, see if we can't, uh, you know, create a little bit more peace and harmony. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, uh, it's an interesting little, I don't know, contrast for me. As I come back, I, I just spent a week away, went to uh, Mexico and uh, visited Cancun and also uh, one of the new wonders of the world, by the way, in, in the new list of seven wonders of the world, Chichen Itza is one of the places that we visited. And it just – it's so interesting to me. And then I come and I do a show today, this morning, about the political world and all of these decisions that we make. Um, I hear about an old world, you know, 600 to 900 A.D. down in Mexico, a Mayan community, um, and and really what how, – how their community turned and how it changed and – then I come and contrast it to our political world, and I think, first of all, how seriously grateful we all ought to be that we have a democracy where you still have a vote, you still have a say. You may not like what's going on. You may think a lot of it's going to happen with or without you. It still may feel like a coronation for some of these leaders, but there is a big difference between actually just having kings born to kings that then basically run you know, countries or and cultures uh, into extinction, but you still have a say. You still have a lot of blessing and a lot of opportunity here in the United States, and it really, truly, it it was an important, I think, contrast for me to just go learn about these other cultures. I also learned something that, even though they may have been so, you know, uh, so basic, so. Um, I don't know, just base type of of living of humans. They still had the exact same needs, the same wants. They still had kids and children. They still had desires. They still wanted the best for their families, for their lives. Folks, this, you got a shot. You got an opportunity as you're here on this great big ball of mud to do something and to be a part of something. And you really got to get intentional about it because in a few hundred years, a few thousand years you're just an afterthought. Eventually somebody will be, you know, working through your, the rubble of your home and, and remember, oh man, some American must have lived here. It's just crazy how quickly things can change. We were in these incredible ruins, pyramids. We were noticing in a wonderful arena where they would play a game of a sport where the teams would go head-to-head. I was imagining the Super Bowl. But in this Super Bowl game, the loser's captain, whatever team lost, their captain would be killed. So you better win. Can you imagine if in our Super Bowl, 
the captain of the losing team executed in front of all of the world. Well, that's what was going on back then. And it's interesting because things change and yet they also can stay very much the same. So please, as we're all sitting here, you know, Jeb Bush is going to announce Hillary Clinton's still in the race. All of this fighting, all of this infighting. What's the Supreme Court going to say? All of this news is basically setting up our future. It's setting up how we will be seen, what will impact us, what won't. Will you just get into it? Even if you don't want to get into the political side, start paying attention. Start figuring out what your values are, how you want to be influencing these decisions, these debates. Again, you don't have to get in and fight the good fight, but you should know what's going on. You should know who you're voting for because it is a right that right now at this stage of the world, it's a right that you have the privilege of having. Who knows if it will always stay that way? And I'm not here to scare you, but it will if you make it a point. So get more involved. Get your head wrapped around it because, friends, it's, it's not just always guaranteed. It's not a permanent positive guarantee. And eventually, a thousand years from now, two thousand years from now, what will our story be as a country? What will your story be as a person? Will you have connected to your family? Will you have left a legacy for your children, for your grandchildren? It just put in the front of my mind the need to live and to live a good life, a life that could be handed down, a life that you're proud of, a life that you want other people to know about. So anyway, get into it, my friends. We're going to take a break, uh, do a little uh, headline news, and then come back, start a total, totally new hour. This next hour, we're going to be talking with an expert that doesn't want us to keep alarming everybody about every uh, new thing. Every new device, every new iteration of life, it's not always that dangerous. We'll be talking about it with Julie Gunlock after the next hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your coach, Dr. Matt, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to give you the tools you need to live a healthier, happier life. Welcome to the program. Top of the morning to you. I am recovering from a trip to Cancun. James, you ever been to Cancun? No, I haven't, actually. You need to go. I like how you're recovering from your trip. I'm to recovering. Cancun, as if it was so difficult to <laughs> go to Cancun. It was, it wasn't, yeah. It was, I just did a little sweating. That's, a, that's the only difficult side of that. Yeah. And well, a, we did a lot of walking. Looks like you caught a lot of sun. Got a lot of sun. Yeah. I've uh, gone through three foreheads by now. It sounds gross, but um, I didn't even know I had that many. But I just, you just, it just keeps flaking off. Call me, call me bad. People, or flaky. Or fl- people always called me a flake. Now it's true. Uh, yeah, it's tons of fun. And so I'm back. It's interesting. I come back and things have changed. James, you look taller. I am taller. Did we? Are we wearing? What are we wearing? Pumps? What? Are, what's going on? Yes, over there? I've decided I want to look taller, so I started wearing pumps. That's interesting. Yeah, man pumps. Yeah, I'm making it a thing. <laughs> That's great. It's almost like a tennis shoe, but it's a pump. Yeah, 
It looks great. Well, I'm, is I'm it a trying three to inch? make it a three. What is it? What is the hill? Two and a half inches. Two and a half inches? Yeah. Are they hard to walk in? They seem like they'd be really hard to walk in. Initially, they were, but now I'm getting used to it. See, my podiatrist said I need to. I may. I may as well just wear pumps because the shoes I was wearing were as bad for my foot as wearing high heels. So I'm like, no. Are you serious? You want me to wear? Are you Are you telling me to wear heels? And he's like, no. I'm just saying, get rid of your shoes. Go get some real shoes. <laughs> you got a little too excited about yeah. that. What he's like, talking about? Yeah. I'm really? Not, you're, I'm you're... not. I'm, are you telling me? Because can I get a letter? Because I can do it. I need to you... prove to my wife that I'm supposed to buy heels. <laughs> no, I couldn't imagine wearing those shoes. Those are horrible. Hey, we, uh, we've got a great new addition to the program, and uh, she's doing our national headlines. Kathy Aiken, take it away, my friend. In Tbilisi, Georgia, severe flooding has left at least 12 people dead. With that flooding, several dangerous zoo animals escaped, including tigers, lions, even a hippopotamus. Some have been tranquilized and returned to the zoo. Still, others remain on the loose. After an 18-month exploratory run, former Florida Governor Jeb Bush will announce today he's running for president. Jeb is the third Bush to run, but will apparently downplay the surname. His logo simply says Jeb 2016. I believe we have a continuing rendezvous with destiny. Each American and the country we cherish. I'm running to make our economy work for you and for every American. That was Hillary Clinton who officially launched her Democratic presidential campaign on Saturday from New York City's Roosevelt Roosevelt Island. The manhunt for two New York prison escapees enters day 10. To the extent any state employee was involved in facilitating the escape. That is a crime in and of itself, and that will be fully prosecuted. That was New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. The woman charged with helping the two men escape, Joyce Mitchell, apparently confessed to law enforcement that the men were planning to kill her husband. Mitchell was planning to pick up the men after their escape, but backed out at the last minute. She's expected back in court today. Two teenagers were attacked by sharks in Oak Island in North Carolina yesterday afternoon. A 13-year-old girl lost her arm below the elbow, and a 16-year-old boy's arm was amputated below the shoulder. The two teenagers are in stable condition. Residents and Tourists are asked to stay out of the water for now. Tomorrow night in Cleveland, the Golden State Warriors can win their first NBA title in 40 years. Last night, behind 37 points from Steph Curry, the Warriors beat Cleveland 104-91. LeBron James had a triple-double, 40 points, 14 rebounds, and 11 assists in the losing effort. Jurassic World became the highest global movie opener of all time, earning nearly $512 million over the weekend. The domestic take was $204 million, not enough to beat Marvel's The Avengers, which took in $207 million during its opening weekend in 2012. And Matt, you have a daughter? Yes, I do. Does she have pierced ears? She does, two of them. Two of them. That's good. I'm glad. I, she's, I'm glad she's it's got, not one. That would be look, that would look odd. Pierced. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad. Well, a petition to ban ear piercing for children has been signed by over 30,000 people in the UK. Huh. Susan Ingram started that campaign saying ear piercing is child cruelty. What do you think? Well, interesting. Ear piercing 
It should be a choice, it seems like, of a person, but I'm assuming the babies aren't making that choice. They're not making that choice. Are we no. just throwing it in there early? Why, why would anyone pierce a baby's ear? I mean, that's you know, a little I've never early. understood that. I have all sons, so yeah. obviously I've not done you that. You didn't pierce no, any I of didn't their pierce ears. their ears. Yeah, they, it, that it seems a little good. cruel. I mean, again, there's circumcision in a lot. There's a big debate about that, and that's for some, seems fairly cruel as well. But. I think we ought to leave it to the the, the child when she's older. Yeah. Uh, to me, if you're going to torture a girl to wear earrings, we ought to do it when they're older. <laughs> <laughs> it is torture sometimes, especially when they get infected. Yeah. Well, if you ever well, go to Ingram's... the mall and you watch them, it's like oh. they're scared to death. You know, I don't see that anymore. Have you noticed that? Because yeah, I think they... it does scare the yeah. girls. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I did it when I was 16 and did thought you? it was painful. I can't imagine a baby. But they want to set a minimum age requirement. I don't know what that age would be. When do you think she can hmm. officially say, what age? I want to get my ears pierced, Mom? Oh, I would say 10, 8. Ten. Ten. I mean, because girls, that matters right then, right? Because they're starting to – their clothes matter. Their image matters. So maybe eight or ten. Yeah. But it's it's painful. It is painful. I couldn't do it just for that reason. You haven't had it done. No, but I have stuck stuck needles in my finger before. Yeah, that's different. Is it different? That's a little different, yeah. Because they, but I've also, I know fingers are sensitive to the earlobe. Yeah, it's kind of sensitive too. But I watched my sisters get their ears pierced, and that was fun for me. <laughs> it was like you were loving every loving minute it. of it, weren't you? But they're using a thing that looks like a gun. It pretty much and is. It's, it's like pop. a staple. It's like a staple gun. They just yeah. But again, too, like everyone too. Get, people are getting pierced all over now. So this is kind of more of a normal thing anyway. But why would we start? It's like tattooing when they're babies. Now, you think the lobe would be painful, but the top up there at the top, that would... I don't know how in the world people do that. That would be extremely painful. I don't think it's for me. No. But... How about the tongue? No. No. Because then they talk like this. (laughs) That is the most embarrassing. And their tongue gets... I I don't know. To me, it's... I can't do it. I saw some serious... uh, Gauges. Have you seen the people that wear the gauges and they just yes. keep kind of stretching their ears? Mm-hmm. But when at the at the beach, the guy would have to take his gauges out because he didn't want to. You know, you don't want to lose your gauges to a wave. So, but his ears were just they were deformed. They were just flopping in the wind. Like Can you literally, they were like a wind sock. Just plastic flapping. surgeons. They're going to be extremely busy when they, really when they finally figure out this was kind of dumb. I have to tell. I did a story on a woman who wanted to go skydiving yeah. and her. What would you say? Her instructor that she had to tandem with had these huge gauges, and he had to take him out. And literally, you could just see the fl- as he's flopping in the air as he's going, the- as he's jumping out of the airplane. These huge, you know, things of skin you know just flopping. He needs out. to like wow. pull him into a bow behind there his head. There you go. Head. Yeah, it's like a rubber band, like a ponytail. It seems like we need we need some laws like that. That's in the UK, right? Not in the in United the UK, States, right? I do, I have seen little babies with cute little pierced ears, but it seems so. Strange. It seems like that was more about the mother than the baby. Oh, no doubt. Right? Definitely. I mean, uh, yes, they wanted to make sure the child looked like a girl. And, you know, there's some out there you can't tell if it's a girl or a boy. Sometimes you can't. (laughs) Oh, cute baby. That's a pretty baby. Well, Kathy, good to have you on board. Thank you, Matt. You're taking the news to a different level and giving us topics like earrings that we never would have addressed. It's cool stuff. Hey, uh, we've got a great topic coming up. Julie Gunlock's going to be joining us, and uh, she's basically going to be talking to us about a culture of alarmism. Do you think we are making people too afraid of everything, from your garden hose to cupcakes to chemicals? Everything now seems like there's kind of an alarmist side to it. It it, it makes money for a lot of people. 
But Julie Gunlock's going to be joining us, and she's fighting about against uh, a battle against the culture of alarmism. We'll be getting into that when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, have you heard those long lists of things you never should feed your children? It ranges from goldfish to Pop-Tarts to Lunchables. What about the dangers of garden hoses to your children? Those dangers are found in the PVCs that are, that are in the garden hose. Our guest today, Julie Gunlock, is a mother who is fed up with the alarmist culture that we are living in. She joins us today to talk about our culture of alarmism and how to fight back and she can tell you that the PVC in your garden hose isn't dangerous. And it's the only thing that isn't as toxic as you think. Uh, welcome, Mrs. Gunlock, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hi, thanks for having me on. Love having you on. Now, how did how did you get into, you know, battling the alarmism movement? <laughs> well, I like to call myself a science defender. I'm not in any way a scientist or a doctor or a medical professional of any kind, but I, I had kids, and I think um, it's interesting how, how you, your sort of mind, mind changes once you have a, a child, for yeah. many reasons. Um, but when I, I had my first child, I was astounded at the number of things I was being told could kill my kid. And I'm not talking about, like, escaped convicts and tornadoes. Right. Okay, I'm talking about, like, the spray cleaner I was using on my, my countertops, um, his own crib mattress, um, his car seat. I mean, it was absolutely shocking to me. And <laughs> when I started to look into this stuff, I realized that most of it was lies, uh, to be completely frank. Like most just it, lies, flat out. Flat out lies. But then when I discovered the motivation behind the lies, and that was a lot of these groups had a political agenda. Um, a lot of them want further and really harsh regulations on manufacturers. And what they tell moms is, um, is that the, the products in the stores are dangerous. Um, the truth is, look, there, there's, there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of scary stuff out there. The products that are sold in, in stores today have to go through so much rigorous safety testing right. um, that really they're not dangerous yet, you know, when, when, for instance, a food or a cleaner has this really long multisyllabic chemical name in it, it scares you. So it's easy to believe that. But what moms need to understand is the agenda is to limit choices in the, in the grocery store, to raise prices, and to add such crippling regulations on certain manufacturers and certain industries um, that they're, you're priced out. You're simply hmm. priced out of certain products. Oh, so really, it's a it's an industry. It's it's kind of a marketing technique. It's yeah. a way to differentiate, and we just need to call the other one dangerous, deadly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I had that even on my my trip recently. We were sitting there, and every time I'd get a beverage, they'd all be like, "Oh, you're going to drink that." I mean, <laughs> have you not seen that they use that as cleaner? That's how they get barnacles off of whales. And you're like, really? They pour diet coke on whales? Weird. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I like to call the alarmists. Um, these are people who are constantly raising the alarm, whether it's the Food Babe or Dr. Oz or any of these sort of wacky, um, you know, sort of health, um, health, you know, so-called health ex- experts. Many of them, of course, um, don't really have any background in that. Uh, Dr. Oz does, obviously, but Dr. Oz has pretty much shown himself 
um, to be he 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 really does promote certain products and market certain products both on his show and personally and I think he's really shown himself not to be a, a, an advocate for for true health but rather he just sort of promotes himself. Yeah, he's, um, he's he's selling. I mean, he's he's selling goods, and I guess right. and it, it tends to be these the kinder, gentler, holistic goods. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 a real danger. He's really really danger. He comes with you know he comes out on stage with his blue scrubs on, and he says all these things are dangerous and going to kill you, and and it's all a load of baloney. Um, but then you have this whole another um, this whole other sort of group. Um, what I like to call the um, the the I mean the they're known as sort of the mommy bloggers. And what's, what's sad about a lot of these mommy bloggers is they've sort of been hijacked um, by radical environmental groups and anti-business groups who use them um, and, and use them as a, to, to further this message mm. that everything's going to kill moms. Look, I think the most important thing that moms need to understand is these kind, the, these kind of hysterics, um, which are unfounded, largely unfounded, will hit you in the pocketbook. I mean, if you're, I, I, I can't believe the prices in the grocery store. And I think a lot of probably young people who are just starting out and young moms are probably shocked. 90% of the people who, who do the shopping in the household are moms, are women. Yeah. Um, and so, look, women need to understand this, this kind of alarmism is baloney, okay? There, there aren't, like, there aren't dangerous problems riddling store shelves, okay? <laughs> but if you believe this, and if you kind of say, well, you know, maybe we should regulate, I mean, this ultimately is passed. These costs for these regulations are ultimately passed on to you. So that's the main message we want to, to give women is take control of this stuff. Don't believe everything you see on the Internet or on the mainstream news. You know, try to take, uh, try to understand that a lot of this fear, there's an alternative, um, you know, there's, an alt- art- there's a reason they're doing that, and that is to, to raise prices and to get you scared enough that you'll acquiesce to these kinds of regulations. Well, and it's it's interesting because um, they I guess they get attention, they get media exposure, but maybe that's the way they the only way they think they can compete with these big companies, right? Like, I mean, you yeah. think of a company like Clorox. I mean, yeah. P, P, how long has Clorox been taking a hit for being a dangerous poison? Well, it is if you drink it, but it's been on the shelf for a hundred years or whatever. Right. I mean, you need to realize that there are da- there are dangerous products out there. For goodness sake, of course there are dangerous products. There are right. dangerous there are dangerous chemicals in um, in products. But remember, um, you know, you don't want to drink bleach, okay? And, <laughs> or you don't want to inject it, or you don't want or to somehow don't pour it on it, open okay? wounds. Like these are bad. Those are bad things, okay? Yeah. Don't don't you know? There's a reason there are instructions on the back of these packages. But these products are mainly dangerous. To bacteria. I mean, when you, when you have something like azodicarbonamide, okay, that sounds terrifying, yeah, in does. bread, okay? That's a big, long word, right? And it sounds like a scary chemical. First of all, it's using trace amounts, okay? It's barely any of it is used, but it's a tiny amount, and it keeps bread fresher. It keeps bread on the shelves longer. You know what happens when you can keep bread on the shelf longer, on the grocery store sh- shelf longer? There's less waste, which means it's, it's priced at a lower it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's more cost. affordable. I mean, there's a reason, you know, chemicals and preservatives, there's a word preservative. Preservative is used because it's, it means it preserves food. They're not used by food manufacturers to actually scare you, okay? It's not like some food executive is sitting in his office and is like, how can I scare these people, right? Let's add these multisyllabic words. No, they're used so that they can be on the shelf longer and the cost comes down. That's, that, that used to be considered progress. Yeah, that was now, the idea. Yeah. Now you have the food babe and other 
sort of these, these fear mongers who profit by telling you that's dangerous, that shouldn't be. If you can't pronounce it, it shouldn't be in your food. That's baloney. Um, you know, you, you talk to someone who, who had, you know, who had, had to go shopping in the 50s. She would have loved it if her loaf of bread could have stayed on the counter for more than 10 minutes. I mean, yeah. these things went bad faster. So now you add a small amount of chemicals, small amount of food preservative, and it really helps that thing to, to stay longer. So these are the benefits, and this is what's often left out of the debate on these issues are the facts of why these things are used. It's interesting. Yeah, it's almost like they've been just thrown in there randomly for some <laughs> to poison the people and eventually control them. <laughs> right. I think um, also what helps people is understanding the basic economics uh, sort of principle that businesses are not, it does them no good to kill their customer base. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, the businesses are not sort of sitting around figuring out ways that they can, you know, uh, commit mass murder. They, they would have incredible lawsuits and not only that, but nobody would trust their products anymore. So they're going, they want these products to be safe. They don't want lawsuits and, and sick people on their hands. So there's no incentive to it's, really, you know, harm people. It seems like, Julie, what, what we may be battling though is a history where some some companies have uh, harmed people. So, sure. so there is enough truth in the industry and the world that companies do kind of selflessly or selfishly serve their oh, stockholders. Yeah. So there's enough truth that it's that we buy into it. I guess that's part of the alarmist culture is right. there's enough truth that I mean, some of these things might not be good for you, but it's right. not. It, I mean, it serves a purpose or, well, you know. This, the, 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 and I, I absolutely agree with you. Look, I'm not, I'm not naive. I don't think that everyone's great. I mean, there, is, there are companies like Enron and others that have, have you know, uh, have taken terrible advantage of, of not only, you know, all Americans, but taxpayers and been bailed out, and there's cronyism, and I agree with all that. But this is the thing. Uh, when it comes to science and it, when it comes to food science specifically, trust the scientists. Um, you know, there are a lot of scientists out there who write on this stuff and blogs. There are farmers who talk about things like using glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup. That's something that's constantly mm. being uh, the target of alarmists. Oh, my God, you know, the fields are saturated with glyphosate. <laughs> They're really not. Um, and, and, and reading actual farmers' blogs on this, the scientists in the biotech community who write on GMOs, Get your you know don't don't rely on people like the food babe and some you know uh, blogger who who doesn't have any kind of information or any knowledge or training in these areas. When I write, I've said that I'm not a medical doctor or a scientist or a medical professional, but I I don't I don't put myself up there as an expert. I rely on experts in this area and often cite them in my writing. And so I think it's really important that the sourcing be good. These are important topics. And you need to get the truth from verifiable sources. Well, and two, maybe when you go to these sites, notice notice who's marketing on these yeah. sites. I mean, if if we're just if we're just trying to market a lot of holistic products, then you've, that's the audience, right? That's the one that that's who's paying this the bill for the blog. It's a it's a good tip. Yeah, exactly. If they're pushing certain products and they're profiting off certain products, that is a really good tip. Again. There are some really good sources out there, direct to the farmer, direct to the scientist, direct to the medical professional that are going to serve you well. Um, when we tell moms that it's more nutritious for them, uh, for their children to, to buy and eat organic food, when that's baloney, uh, Stanford University, Oxford University have all come out with studies saying there is not any nutritional difference between hmm. organic and conventionally grown food, that GMOs are completely safe. 
conventional and GM, GMO food, and GMO food is mainly in processed food. But look, th- these things are more affordable. So don't waste your money buying organic food. If you can't afford it, fine. If you want to buy organic food, God bless. But if you can't afford it, you shouldn't be guilted into uh, buying the more affordable food. That's the real travesty here, is making women who live at or under the poverty level feel guilty and waste their, their very restricted finances on food that is no more nutritious for their children. Mm. That is, see, that's interesting news. That's news I had never heard about the studies from Stanford yes. and Oxford. That's what you don't hear, is it? That's, you don't. That's why the alarmism is such a big deal. We're talking with Julie Gunlock. She's the author of From Cupcakes to Chemicals, How the Culture of Alarmism Makes Us Afraid of Everything and How to Fight Back. We're going to take a break, come back, continue this discussion on alarmism. Up next, right here on The Matt Townsend Show. To the Matt Townsend Show, I'm your coach, Dr. Matt, your guide on the side. Our goal of this program is to give you the tools, the ideas, just the information you need to to grow healthier, happier uh, lives. Today on the phone with us is Julie Gunlock. She is the author of the book, From Cupcakes to Chemicals, How the Culture of Alarmism Makes Us Afraid of Everything and How to Fight Back. It's such an interesting uh, topic and discussion because it seems like... You know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, we used to love McDonald's. They were our friend. We, they were our kind, gentle neighbor. And Coca-Cola, what a great, you know, they were the icons of America. And now it seems like they're just spawn of the devil, <laughs> darkness, uh, promoting just f- fat intake and overconsumption of sugar and um, in a weird way, uh, it seems like we, we may be using, you know, alarmism as a way for other organizations to, to compete against some of these bigger companies. Is that your point, Julie, when you get into alarmism? Yeah, I'm sorry. I couldn't hear that last question. Can you repeat yeah, that? Yeah, it, it seems like we're now taking on all of these big companies that, that don't provide supposedly healthy answers. Coca-Cola, sure. uh, McDonald's, all of these companies, Dr. Pepper they are they they used to be iconic images of america and now they are literally they're down there with drug dealers you know and prostitution <laughs> that you mentioned that you know i i don't know if uh you know i hope i'm not giving away any spoilers here but it's been a, um, about a month so i'm gonna go for it but <laughs> you know the end of mad men right yeah uh, this this great you know multi-year series that had everybody captivated um and the end of it is is basically a suggestion that don draper the hero of the story comes up with coca-cola's iconic a Coke and a Smile, a Coke and a Friend, what, you know, I yeah. don't remember the name of the, the, the song, um, ad, which was, again, you know, just probably the most famous commercial. Yeah, I'd like those. to buy the world a Coke yeah, ad. I'd like to buy the world a Coke. Thank you. So, um, you know, and, it, and actually I wrote about that the, the day after the Mad Men finale, and I, I said, you know, it really is astonishing when you, can, when you think back on how Coca-Cola used to be the symbol of, of America, of America's greatness, perhaps because um, America, you know, develops beverages not just for sustaining life, but <laughs> right. actually to enjoy. 
And and when you compare that to today, I mean, again, they are they're right up there with some of the you know the big villains of the world. And it's so sad because, look, a lot of these major multinational companies, what what we are forgetting in this country with this sort of anti big anything big food big corporations companies they do a lot of good work in communities sure. no absolutely they, they they give a lot to cancer research they give a lot to sort of uh, multiple disease research they build buildings they they help um you know one one, inst- one thing i wrote about last year was schools insisting that that uh, coca-cola company or not just coca-cola but soda companies can't sponsor uh the scoreboard at games yeah i mean What's so absurd about that is Coca-Cola is, uh, in this case it was Coca-Cola, is sponsoring uh, uh, an event that uh, involves children exercising. So, I mean, <laughs> that's sort of a good message, right? right? I mean, why are we beating up on them? And, and as a result now, this school does not have a scoreboard because Coca-Cola is not allowed uh, to sponsor it. So these are kind of the absurd, um, by extension, the absurd sort of policies that come out from the nanny state. You know, oh, we're going we're gonna to beat up on Big Soda because they do absolutely nothing but bad stuff. I mean, that's absurd. These companies employ people, they build parts of communities, and they really uh, do a lot in the communities. So it's sad to see these companies being beaten up. Well, and and they are these are these companies are responding to their clients, right? So the clients, (laughs) the clients like what they're creating, like what they're doing. And I guess that's what some would say is, well, maybe the nanny state, as you call it. Well, yeah, but let's somebody needs to control these big companies, except it should be the market should just decide when they're not wanting that beverage anymore. The market is already deciding that. Look, soda consumption in America is way down, way, way, way down and has been for years. You know what's skyrocketing? The sale of water, okay? And look, the soda companies themselves, I mean, there is a reason why soda companies are buying out these sort of flavored water companies and these sparkling water companies, because they see that people are replacing sort of sugary drinks for low-calorie beverages. So, look, the market is already working. You want to know what is the sky, is, is the, 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 the most um, highly growing uh, industry within the food industry? It's healthy snacks. Huh. People are demanding this stuff. People are demanding that trans fats be taken out of food. I mean, the government is coming in and saying, oh, no more trans fats. You know what trans fats are left in? So few, pro- it's actually hard to find trans fats and things. And they're left in, let's, let's go through the few things that it's left in. Uh, shelf-stable uh, um, uh, frosting, uh, sprinkles, huh. some really high calorie desserts. I mean, what moron thinks that you have to like that you should yeah. ever be eating a, a ton of you know sprinkles? And Get rid of the sprinkles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nobody is relying on a diet of sprinkles. I mean, <laughs> if they're in a few products, who cares? Right. The vast majority of products don't have trans fats anymore, um, and so there's no real need for government action. And so, but and yet, government is coming in and starting to ban all of these things. So again, we just see these sort of unnecessary moves when the market is already working. Well, and the companies are also uniting with certain cities, aren't they, to actually reduce the amount of calories going yeah. into drinks? Yeah, I think I think the I think the soda industry really sees the writing on the wall here. Look, people are demanding healthier products. The soda company is happy. Every company, I mean, that's sort of that's economics one hundred and one, right? Business sense, like you need to respond to your consumers to, to your customers' demands. Dem- the cu- consumers are demanding healthier snacks. They're more than happy because that makes them money. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a great relationship that too often the government ignores. Well, and when I look at it too, you. There's a there's a nice. It seems like there's got to be a balance here, right? Moderation, where 
the companies might be slow to respond. So these other advocates come in and and, and muddy the water, I guess. But yeah. you got there's also got to be honesty. We we shouldn't just create fear for fear's sake, because at right. some point, I had a on my trip, I had a really interesting. Uh, time to talk to um, a, a, a woman who's a, a sales rep for basically it's 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 a company that uses honey as as a as like a neosporin as a disinfectant, but it's seriously backed uh, academically, and it's basically in every burn unit and emergency room across the country. But it's natural, but right. they don't sit there and use fear mongering. To, right. to to create the value of their 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 product, they just use research, right? And let right. the research do it instead of the fear mongering. Well, what's sad too is that so much of this alarmism. When you tell women that their you know their shampoo or their hand lotion or their deodorant is going to give them cancer, yeah. Um, what you do is you you make you. What often happens is women then focus on these things that have absolutely no connection um, to, to, you know, the, the development of cancer, and they ignore what actually causes cancer, which is, you know, a, a higher rate of obese, or, you know, being overweight, drinking too much, making bad lifestyle decisions, and, 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 and coming in contact yeah. with some things that are, are actually quite unhealthy. These are the things that women should be concentrating on, and yet these, these so-called health organizations, and, and, and it's really important that people understand there are a, a zillion of these so-called health organizations with nice names like the breast cancer fund and the breast cancer this and really what they are are radical environmental groups um, that want hot, very very strict regulations on certain products so so it's really important that you really check your sources and remember that doctors the national cancer institute and other organizations give much better advice than these so-called health advocacy organizations. It's such an interesting dilemma. Again, we're talking with Julie Gunlock, who is the author of From Cupcakes to Chemicals, How the Culture of Alarmism Makes Us Afraid of Everything and How to Fight Back. She is also a senior fellow at the Independent Women's Forum and directs the organization, the organization's Culture of Alarmism Project. But it really is, um, it really is a, an idea, it seems like to me, Julie, that life is risky. And so it's like we're we're trying to pretend like we're not going to be risked out but the reality is is it's a risky place and if right. we knew the cure to if we knew the cause of cancer it would be we'd be dealing with it and everybody in the world would know about it but right. instead you like you get some claim from some organization that yeah they put this goo that comes from the gooberry in Gooberville and all of a sudden that person that had lost their finger grew back 3 right. You know, you have these hyperbolic headlines, right? I mean, I have a list of them. I keep a list of about, I think so far I have about 150 or so headlines that I just love. They, they crack me up. I mean, things like your hand lotion is making you fat. <laughs> I mean, you know, like GMOs, the deadliest weapon out there. I mean, just absolutely hysterical. Yeah. You know, my head is on fire, kind of screaming from the rooftops, the sky is falling kind of headlines. And this is what women, every day, women open their computers or they get the newspaper or they turn on the TV and they are met with a barrage of these types of claims. Give it 10 minutes. Okay, give it 10 <laughs> minutes. In 10 minutes, they'll claim the opposite. Okay? Sure. But we see this from the federal government as well. The federal government for how many decades said, you know, you got to watch your cholesterol, you got to cut your shrimp and other shellfish and eggs and, you know, butter. Now, 
I mean, honest to God, they, they, they have recently come out with recommendations saying, oops, we were wrong. I Our mean, bad. You know, how many, how many omelets did my poor father skip over decades of bad recommendations <laughs> from the feds? So I think people need to understand that they're, they are often wrong and, uh, and what is right, and, and they're often lagging in the latest medical information. So the best thing is be an individual. Talk to your doctor. Figure out what's best for you and ignore these sort of one-size-fits-all recommendations oh, from the government. Just as a father in the last – because I have six kids and from oh, wow. the last 21 years, here's the deal. Put them on the belly when they sleep. Put them on their side when they sleep. Put them on their back when they sleep. Back to the side when they sleep. And all we realized is, okay, by the time we had our third kid, we're like, they all seem to be belly sleepers, and it seems to go pretty well. But I'm sure there is a recommendation, so go with the recommendation. But the reality is you have to kind of use your brain at some point and make decisions about your life, your family. Just be informed. Yeah, But don't take the message always. I often – to me, there's no big surprise that women love sort of, you know – Play dates with happy hour because it's exhausting to follow yeah. this stuff and it's stressful. <laughs> and, you know, it, it really, it does, you know, it, it makes you sort of your head just filled with all this conflicting information. I often say that the worst part of the alarmist sort of culture that we live in is that it makes us unhappy. I mean, we can talk about the junk science and we can talk about the bad and faulty re- regulations and we can talk about the cost. But I think the most important thing that we can do is we can talk to women about how these alarmists steal fun. They make everyone miserable and worried and anxiety-ridden. That is mm. no, I mean, you know, being a mom is really fun. Kids are fun. Yeah. But if you li- if you and, and a dad, but if you listen to the alarmists, it is dangerous. People and die. Your children right. are about to die. Who can have fun when you think you're about to die? And so I think the most important thing that we can tell women and dads is try like you said, trust your instincts. Ignore a lot of the hyperbolic headlines out there and just do your best. That's such great advice. I mean, it really is. And, I mean, and attached to each of these companies, we also have to remember that there's jobs, there's employment, there's farmers feeding this, this into these industries. I mean, there's a lot of money behind all of this that is actually keeping people alive and well. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow, great, great, great information. Again, Julie, so where can they go to find more out about your blog and what you're doing? Sure. Well, the Independent Women's Forum is the think tank that I work for, and the Culture of Alarmism Project um, is housed at the Independent Women's Forum, so we have a lot of information there. It's IWF.org. But I think it's also important to say that IWF focuses on a lot of economic issues besides this one, health care, work-life balance, employment issues, uh, taxation, budget. All of these issues are important to women. We, wa- we also want women to feel like, you know, uh, they're not inter- they, they may be interested in, in issues beyond what uh, the left tends to tell them right. what they're interested in. So there's a whole bunch of issues we cover. So check us out at IWF.org. I don't know if you know it, but there is a war on women going on. <laughs> I am a victim of the <laughs> You are a victim of the war. That, that is an interesting point, though, because the media also loves the, these alarmist stories because they make great headlines. So the media will keep pushing whatever's thrown out there. Absolutely, absolutely. The media, look, if it bleeds, it leads. The media, there, we, I say that there are three groups here. There are these radical environmental and so-called public health organizations that want, they want stricter, tougher regulations on industries and manufacturers, which will cost jobs and raise prices. 
Second, you've got the media, which pushes these stories out, loves a scary headline. And three, you've got the government official or the regulator or the House and Senate member who are more than happy to ride in on their white speed and save the day. (laughs) So these three groups really make it much harder on the American public to enjoy life and get products that are cheaper. Interesting. It really is. It's an interesting interesting topic you're carrying. Again, her name is Julie Gunlock. Go check out the website, iwf.org. Wonderful blog there with a bunch of different topics you can look up. Just take your favorite pet uh, peeve, your favorite, you know, chemical, your favorite company that you think is killing the world. She's got an article on it, guaranteed. We'll take a break, come back. We're going to introduce a new topic, actually a new um, feature that we're going to be having here uh, with one of our our great uh, new friends. Kathy Aiken is our news expert on the show. But she's going to be helping us also find the good in the world. Heaven knows we need it. We'll take a break. More when we come back to the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, one of the things that we try to do on the show is help you see the good in the world. And so a new um, segment we're going to be having every once in a while on the show uh, is called Seeing the Good in the World. And Kathy Aiken, our news uh, – what do we call you? The news guru. <laughs> Sounds Kathy good to Aiken's me. just one of the hosts of the show. And she um, has, put, has put together a bunch of just positive, good-in-the-world kind of stories. You know, there's not enough good in the world, is there's there? Not. I mean, well, we don't see it anyway. We just anyway. talked I think about so how much everything's good. negative, negative, yeah, negative. Right. That's what I think the media wants you to believe. In fact, I get that question a lot. Do you think there's more good people in the world than evil people? Yeah. I said, yeah, we yeah, just don't see sure. them. Yeah. Right. And that's what we'd love to do. What we're going to do here is just really highlight these people that just go over and beyond and try to help other people. That's I mean, great. that's why we're here, right? Who's the so. first one we're going to be highlighting? The first one, her name is Elizabeth Plan. She's from Sandy, Utah, who started this wonderful rose game, she calls it, by delivering roses to people. And she explains it, why she does it. And eventually, a couple of years after that began, she had a devastating health diagnosis that really changed her life. But she didn't change it. She didn't change her plan. She kept delivering roses. And so here is the story of Elizabeth Plan. 44-year-old Elizabeth Plan is on a mission, a mission to deliver roses to anyone who needs a little pick-me-up. It's been a really beautiful experience for me. An experience that began when she was out shopping and saw some beautiful roses on sale. And as I was driving home, I started thinking I could make one person happy with all these roses or I could go to several people's homes and give them one rose and make lots of people happy. So happy it became a regular routine, a routine she calls the rose game. I took the first rose to one friend and as I was talking to that friend I was thinking trying to decide in my mind who I was going to take the next one to but then I had the idea just to ask that friend who she thought I should take it to and so it it began a chain where I would take it to one person and they would tell me the next person and then that person would tell me the next person and so forth. I remember visiting one woman who was struggling, you know, I end up going to a lot of people that are having health problems and it can really get them down. But this one woman in particular was very depressed and she really needed something. And she told me later that 
just from the moment I walked in the door with that rose, she felt love, and she hadn't felt that for a long time, and I think it really was a boost in her life. A year after her game began, Plan, a Utah mother of three, needed a big boost herself. I was diagnosed with colon cancer. And so I started in with surgery and chemotherapy, and um, that went on for a few years. After my surgery and chemotherapy, it came back to my liver, but again, they were able to do the surgery and chemotherapy again, but it still came back, and now it's in my lungs, and um, the chemotherapy is no longer working. So hopefully I'll be able to start in on a clinical trial and see if that does some good. Despite her diagnosis, Plan's Rose game continues on. She knows there are too many other people struggling as well. It really is true that if you can look outside yourself, that it, it gives you the strength to just move forward and to not dig yourself so deep in a hole of depression that, you know, you're miserable. And when you can see other people and get to know them, you see that you're not the only one who is going through hard times. There's lots of people. It's not just health challenges. It's all kinds of different things that people are experiencing. And the more you get to know people, the more you realize you're not alone, and you're not alone in your feelings, and you're not alone in the things you're suffering, and also you're not alone in the joys you experience. For me, I just know that we're here on this earth to experience all kinds of things that will test us and challenge us and bring us closer to God. Some people that I have delivered a rose to felt that that rose coming to them was a sign that God still did care about them and He still was aware of them and brought them enough comfort to help them move on. Plen received a big dose of needed comfort herself recently when dozens of women surprised her with single roses of their own. So many flowers, her home was overflowing with beauty. I was stunned and felt so loved. And as the, as the people came up to me and gave me the rose, one by one, they gave me a hug and told me that they loved me. And I was so stunned I could barely remember their names, but all I knew was that I loved them back and felt so much love for them, from them. It's incredible. I'm not always a willing instrument, I'm sorry to say, but some days I have a feeling that I should go do my rose game, and some days I just don't feel like doing it. Mm -hmm. Either I'm tired or I have other things that I think I'd rather do with my time, but I've learned that I have to listen to those promptings because sometimes God needs me. The story of Elizabeth Plan and her rose game. You know, she's Matt, she's mm. delivered hundreds of roses yeah. to people. And I love how she said, I can either give a dozen to one person or take a rose to 12 different people. <laughs> she's changed so many lives yeah. around the Salt Lake Valley that I don't think she really knew until so many people came to give her a rose as well. And I think it really sunk in that, well, well I, I have done some good. And the tragic irony of now she's battling her own cancer, like right. crazy. Yep. She's finished with the clinical trial. She yeah. no longer wants to go through with that. So... 
you know, it's just a waiting game right now. Uh, uh. Not sure, you know, what her prognosis is. It's very unknown. You know, it's in her lungs, as she said. And But she continues on. She continues, like I loved yeah. how she said, the best thing is you need to get out of yourself. And she is getting out of herself and so trying to help selfless. other people despite, yeah, despite her very scary diagnosis. That is a, that's a perfect example of seeing the good in the world. We have about 20 seconds. What's, uh, what are some other stories coming up? Uh, now, uh, two other ones, uh, Matt. Kayla Lane, a Fort Worth, Texas um, waitress who paid the bill of an unsuspecting family who lost a baby, tragically, and she paid their bill. And the one we just interviewed today that will air later on is Lieutenant Ellison from Orange, Texas, who a young man's parents were killed just days before his high school graduation, and he kind of stepped in to to be the parent on the stage when when his parents were gone. And really uplifting stories. People doing so many wonderful things around the country. Great stuff. Heroes. Heroes in the world. That's great stuff. Good way to put it. Kathy, appreciate you. Great work. Excited to see uh, so many more of those in the future. Folks, see, there is good in the world, and you're part of it. You're part of it. Let's catch it. Let's catch the fever and start changing lives. We'll come back next hour. More ideas. Kim Giles, uh, one of our life coaches, will be joining us. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt, your guide on the side. Remember, we do what we can on this program to uh, help you grow a healthier, happier life, living longer, loving stronger. That's the goal. And while we're at it, have a little fun. Who better to help us do that than James, who, by the way, uh, I have been out of town. I have been to Cancun, so I have an incredibly rich tan and a pile of skin on my calendar here. You've been collecting your skin that's been falling off? Yes. It's kind of creepy. Skin has a very high premium. It's a it's hard to replace. You know, actually it's it's not hard to replace at all. I mean, pardon? We're constantly losing and and re, like our skin is constantly cycling. So I don't need to keep it. No, no, you could actually throw that away. It's actually really really creepy that you still have all that. I'm just going to hand it to you. Will you throw it away cuz the garbage can is on your side of the room. So I'm just going to hand you this pile and you just throw that away. <laughs> I'll, I'll pass on that one. Just... So selfish. Hey, um interesting little news all of these shark attacks. What is the deal? All of these kids are getting attacked by sharks in North Carolina. Another shark attack. I'm sure we'll be hearing about it in news. But that's scary because I could have been attacked except for here's my late breaking news. I was in Cancun for a week, didn't go in the the ocean once. <laughs> I didn't go in the ocean once. Why? Well, A, shark attacks in the United States and Australia. Didn't want to go near the water. Yeah. B I was trying to I was trying to relax and I had I'd have to walk to the ocean. <laughs> Across the sand. That's not relaxing. And do the sand dance, you know, the hot sand dance. Yeah. So instead, I I actually got in the swimming pool, I think, once. I just sat there and read. That's all I did. I read and my wife kept getting in and then finally we had a bunch of friends there and she just went in the water with the friends. It was really interesting. There was only – 
there was only all the women went in the water, but all the men stayed on the shore and we just talked. It was kind of interesting. I don't know what that's about. Anyway, we have a great new, uh, great new guest—not guest, but host, co-host, news host—joining us, Kathy Aiken. She's here. She's the queen of the news. She's going to give us her take of local, national headlines. Thank you, Matt. After an 18-month exploratory run, former Florida Governor Jeb Bush will announce today he's running for president. Jeb is the third Bush to run and will join 10 other GOP candidates in the race. Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker is expected to add his name to the list sometime in July. I believe we have a continuing rendezvous with destiny. Each American and the country we cherish... I'm running to make our economy work for you and for every American. That was Hillary Clinton, who officially launched her Democratic presidential campaign on Saturday from New York City's Roosevelt Island. In Tbilisi, Georgia, several flooding, severe flooding, excuse me, has left at least 12 people dead. With that flooding, several dangerous zoo animals have escaped. Some have been tranquilized and returned to the zoo. Still others remain on the loose. The manhunt for two New York prison escapees enters day 10. To the extent any state employee was involved in facilitating the escape, that is a crime in and of itself, and that will be fully prosecuted. That was New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. The women charged with helping the two men escape, Joyce Mitchell, apparently confessed to law enforcement that the men were planning to kill her husband. Hundreds of law enforcement officials continue to search for the escapees. Meanwhile, Mitchell is expected back in court today. As Matt mentioned about the shark attacks, two teenagers attacked in Oak Island, North Carolina yesterday afternoon. A 13-year-old girl and 16-year-old boy both lost parts of their arm. It's not clear if it was the same shark in both attacks. The teenagers are in stable condition. The Golden State Warriors just one game away from their first NBA title in 40 years. The Warriors beat Cleveland 104-91 to last night. Steph Curry led Golden State with 37 points. LeBron James had a triple-double, 40 points, 14 rebounds, and 11 assists. Do you feel a lot less pressure this finals run just because you are undermanned and you had some injuries uh, as opposed to previous years? I feel confident because I'm the best player in the world. That's simple. He is the best player in the world, Matt. Don't question that. Wow. And did you hear, Matt, about the lemonade stand in Overton, Texas? No. Shut down the two little girls. I mean, they're they're eight and seven. They shut little, it down? Yeah, you know, you have to be politically correct. It was shut down by the police department. Oh, but now the girls have a new plan. They're going to give the drinks away for free and free just ask for donations. Yeah, that way they can do it. So you can if do you don't it if you're not. Money, yeah, then you don't need yeah, licensing and stuff. They don't it's need just... the permit. So Andrea and Zoe Green, they'll just take donations. See. They'll probably get more money that way anyway. Well, isn't that's it's just a charitable fund like the Clinton Foundation. <laughs> Except I don't. I mean, I'm, Probably, they're not the yeah, same. there's not. Yeah, little different. It's a little different. Yeah, maybe but, you know, tens of dollars instead of tens of millions. But isn't that sad? They're shutting down the dreams of two little girls, yeah. two entrepreneurial spirits, shut down by yeah. the police. Let me ask you: If you were to go buy a lemonade stand, mm-hmm. would you drink the lemonade? Though? I don't. That I would. Kind of scares I would me just stop. Bit, well, there's yeah. something also creepy about a, a you know middle-aged guy pulling over <laughs> to two girls on the side of the road. That's weird. Yeah, hopefully they have some guards, especially they need if you some come guards. Yes. But if, if they were in my neighborhood and I knew them, I would pull over, and then I would probably, yeah, I'd I'd crack open my wallet and you'd give them a buck for a cup of juice that they or a Kool Aid that they probably stirred with their hand. Because mom, <laughs> so you would just let pretend to drink it and throw it off on the grass window. I don't know that I would drink it. Yeah, no. I'd have to be really thirsty to yeah, drink it. Yeah, 
I probably already had my own drink with me, the poisonous drinks. You drink a lot of water. That's very good. Not really. But um, I have had water before. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, we're going to get into this in the next. uh, This story you handed me about doctors in China removed 420 kidney stones from a patient. Have you ever had a kidney stone? Yeah, I've had two. Chip and Tug, we call them. They look just like their mother. Chip and Tug. They say it's like it's the equivalent for a man to have a a baby. This uh-huh. is the same thing. So I named mine because I wanted. My husband's had them before, and they're I can tell they're very yeah. It's very very excruciating. But yeah, you know, you men need to feel something kind of similar. Yeah. There was a story out of China I saw where they were able to hook up men to a device that actually was almost showed, gave him a similar pain to a to a labor pain. Yeah. And what? there was one guy that able, was able to last like 20 seconds. Why would it. they do that? Well, they just have to have a taste of what we go through, you know? Why? But literally one guy was able to last, <laughs> I think it was 20 seconds. Yeah, All I'm the sure rest, you know, tapped out. I couldn't handle it. That's no. why That's why men invi- invented... The kidney stone. The, the kidney stone. <laughs> and we invented the, um, the, the shot in the back. That an epidural? Non- an epidural. Oh, I bet you that was, that was invented by a man that was tired of hearing the women scream. Oh, please don't. And or don't. it was really do the not, fear that someday not. men might have to deliver a baby, so let's get an epidural going. You know, I lo- first time my first child, epidural yeah. kicks in. Oh, thank you, thank you. And then the doctor comes in, and this was the day before the big BYU-Utah football game. And they're sitting there talking about that, and I was over there, hey, hello, hello. Got a, we're trying to have a baby here. Baby. Yeah, they got a little too involved in the BYU-Utah rivalry. So, But, yeah. that's, but that, I mean, that's hard. You think it's hard to get an epidural. It's hard to watch your spouse get an epidural. Well, what's hard a, is when like, they tell you to hold still yeah. while they're trying to give you an epidural. It's like, yeah, I don't think I can do that. I'm in the middle of Have you seen what they're putting pain. in your back? I mean, yes. it's a flipping no, I nail. Yeah, it's a long needle. They may Very as well long. use a nail gun. <laughs> It's bad. No, because if they do that, they'll paralyze you. So See, I think it's be that's very precise. why. It, so it's not a male-female. We need, we go through it together. We'll let the females do the pain thing. And then I always gained sympathy weight. I'd always gain 10 pounds with yeah. every baby. Well, that was nice of you. Yeah. I had six. We had six kids. The so. depressing thing is you gain 40 pounds and, and have a 10-pound baby and only lose five. You know, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't make much sense. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Well, what was even stranger is I was gaining weight and I didn't even carry a child. <laughs> Explain when you were that. pregnant, did you say we are pregnant or did you say my wife is I'd, pregnant? I'd say I, usually my wife is yeah. pregnant and then people say, well, you were part of it. And I'm like, yeah, hardly. I don't like it the same. We are pregnant. It's like, no, we are not. Yeah, my wife yeah. is pregnant. Yeah. We've got to give her the credit. You're expecting, yeah. but you are not pregnant. That's right. Yeah. See? You're good. Yeah. Good. Kathy Aiken's her name. She'll be with us every day teaching us the news, giving us more tools, folks. We're going to take a break. When we come back, our great friend Kim Giles is going to be joining us from Clarity Point Life Coaching. Really, uh, you got to listen to this uh, this great next guest. She's going to give us insight and tools about positivity and negativity. Sometimes negativity gets a bad rap, but there might be something actually positive about being negative. Up next, Kim Giles right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, in the house, Kimberly Giles is joining us 
She's the president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching. If you go to her website, claritypointcoaching.com, tons of, a t- of tools there and an assessment you got to go take called the fear assessment because many of us lead our lives by fear. Uh, you can also get a copy or, I mean, find out about her book. Uh, one of the things I took on my trip was your book. Choosing Clarity, a simple system that makes you feel better about yourself and your life. I took it. In fact, I referred it to a couple of people there as well. So you're going to be getting phone calls. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, Good to have you here. And you're going to teach us about, because a lot of times negativity gets a negative rap. People look at people, negativity is like a bad thing. (laughs) It's just like horrible. Well, Okay, so the article that I wrote was the quirky benefits of a negative attitude. The quirky benefits. Yes. So there, okay, so there's some positive things that having a negative attitude can do for you. It keeps people away from you. It does. That's and, a benefit. And some people hold on to it for that reason because <laughs> yeah. maybe they don't want anybody around. That's right. Get out of here. A matter of fact, just this morning, one of my coaches uh, messaged me and said she's got a client who is just miserable and just suffering and hates her life. And we've, we're giving her all the tools to change, and she's not using them. Hmm. She's not doing the work. And my coach says, what do I do? And the first thing that came to my mind is she's getting a benefit yeah. from staying a mess Yeah, she likes it somehow subconsciously that serves her. And there's a lot of people that were, were stuck in this place because subconsciously – we actually are getting benefits from staying there. Yeah. So this woman, I wonder if she gets sympathy, love, or attention when she's a disaster mm. and she oh, constantly complains. Feel so bad for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of us hold on to negative because as a child, that's the only way we got mom or dad's attention or love was if they felt sorry for us. Yeah. So we like our sad stories because they give us that. I had a friend that had a major, you know, like I think they were hit by a car. They were somehow injured seriously when they were young and they ended up being kind of constantly injured. I mean, they were always they were always rehabilitating and they got a lot of attention. Did it sort of almost become and part of their identity, their identity almost? They were always the broken one that got this feedback for being broken. But then yeah. as an adult, they're no longer broken. Like physically, but they have to now deal with that. They kind of like that attention. Yeah. I had another client who was so overwhelmed and stressed out and he was just buried under all this work all the time. And he constantly complained about how overworked and stressed he was. And and I gave him all the tools to change his time management and get yeah. his life in order and none of it worked. And then I finally asked him, what benefit might you be getting from being overwhelmed all the time? And he realized, one, he had always had an excuse to get out of things he didn't want to do because yeah. he was so busy. And he found a lot of people didn't ask him to do more because if he was constantly complaining about how overworked, they already knew he was Not, too Don't busy. add more to his plate. Yeah. And he, he had a sense of accomplishment, almost like unless I'm overburdened that I'm not working hard enough – and this is proof of what an amazing provider and a good person I am huh. that I'm this overwhelmed. Yeah. So there was almost this validation that came from being buried. So that might be why we hang on to the negative because it, it it supports us somehow. serves us on some level. Oh, that's pathetic. <laughs> but 
I think a We're lot sick. of us have one foot on the gas and one on the brake when it comes to personal development because yeah. if we really change and grow and let go of this negative, we're going to have to be a different type of person and there's responsibilities mm-hmm. that come with raising well, and fears, the bar. Huh? Now I've got to – I mean yeah. I'm kind of complacent where I am. I don't want to have to go change it now. So so interesting. Right. So oh, anytime you're feeling web. a little stuck, we got some questions you might want to ask yourself. Okay. What am I getting from voicing my complaints, from from actually telling people how I feel all the time? Now, I suffer from some chronic health problems. Yeah. And I found a lot of people in my boat talk a lot about their, about problems. their problems and how they feel. And you just want to be aware if there's a subconscious part of you that likes to talk about them to get attention or to get sympathy, love, we want to be aware of that. Um, could you have a subconscious tendency to play the self-pity card hmm. a lot? Yeah. You especially want to watch if if people call you on bad behavior and your first thought is, well, you've got to understand you how no bad idea. my <laughs> life is and I have right. no friends. If that's where you go, that's a sign, right? That's so a sign. If that's your story you tell. You might – Pull the self-pity card as a way to get out of things. Yeah. Um, also, think back to your childhood and the kind of relationship you had with your parents. What did you have to do to get love and attention? Hmm. Because whatever you did then, you you might still yeah. subconsciously Well, I mean, do. if you had to be bleeding more than your brother, if it was always about who's more injured or more damaged, <laughs> then you've got to always up your game. You've yeah. got to be more. Not who did it first, right. but whose injuries are more serious. <laughs> You seem serious. Yours is a trauma one. Yeah. So ask yourself, if you stopped voicing the complaints, is there any other way that you could feel loved or validated or good about yourself other than that? Yeah. Yeah. Because there are really a lot more healthy ways to get love. Right. Well, in fact, it might even turn people off. If they've heard this complaining all day, they might not be around you as much. Yeah. We think it gives us... Attention and love, but what we lose is usually respect, Mm -hmm. and over time, people do kind of pull back. So it's not not the best technique, is it? Never is, is it? Darn it. No. It's just unhealthy. A matter of fact, instead of trying to get love from people, we do a lot better if we just are a giver, right? If you focus on giving to people, they actually love and respect you And you feel better and be healthier, right? I mean, mean, that's – like I love being as busy as I am until it's killing me, but then – so when everyone when people come up and say, "Oh, you you're so busy," I want to agree with them, but I don't want to talk about it. Like, yeah, yeah, you don't need. But to I talk love about it, it. But it's, then, <laughs> but so whether I say it or think it, it's the same thing, probably, right? Well, I think there's a different level when you're saying it. You're involving other people. In yeah, that's it. true. I am. I, yeah, I'm spreading the goo. Yeah, the negative. So you mentioned on my website, I've got this fear assessment. It's awesome. And the reason we offer it for free for anybody is just we've got all this subconscious programming that's driving a lot of our behavior. Neuroscientists say 95% of the choices we make, we make subconsciously. Yeah. So we're on autopilot. We're not even choosing a lot of our behavior. And the fear assessment actually lets you see on paper what some of your subconscious programming is. Hmm. So if you've got a real terrible need for validation from other people, it's going to show up on that. And it could be something you might want to get more aware of. I mean, really, because it's just feedback. But you're doing something. There's some reason you keep doing what you're doing. And the more data you can get, probably the better choices you can make. And then maybe reevaluate your choices. 
You're not stuck. I mean, if you're stuck, it's you're choosing it consciously yeah. or subconsciously. Well, I'll tell you one of the exercises I have my clients do is sit down with a piece of paper and tell me the benefits of the negative attitude and talking yeah. about your complaining and then tell me the the downside. What's the cost of that complaining? And then if you changed and you became more positive, what would be the benefits and what would be the negative side oh, of being there? So that they can really see all the factors yeah. and make a conscious choice about how they want to live instead of a subconscious choice. Because that, that's working on you, whether you, make, whether you overtly say it or not. The, those thoughts are all working on you, keeping you staying the same or changing. So you're just those are questions that help them start to – but most of us are either changing or stuck yeah. at a subconscious level. We're not choosing how we mm. want to live or be. And right. I know you work with yours on the same thing. Let's figure out what you really want and consciously choose how to get there. It's so big. It really is. 5% of, of our decisions are actually – we're making them versus 95, your body's just kind of we're just reacting. going with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's Isn't sad. that crazy? That's a, I mean that's most of our behavior. Yeah. We're not – well, think of choosing. that. None of us are choosing to, you know, have our heart rate escalate the minute we see something happen. That's not a choice. That's just happening. It's just or when you walk in and you see, you know, your car has a scratch on it, your body's going to naturally start making all these reactions. Oh. But we can you can start to be more consciously aware of this if this is a fear reaction. Mm-hmm. Definitely notice a, a scratch on my car is a fear of loss yeah. moment. I just lost, I paid all this money and now I'm losing the clean, beautiful car. So now you get to decide how much you want to suffer over that. Yeah. I oh. mean, isn't that totally in your totally. control? Totally. You could go so negative. You could yeah. complain to everybody. I can't believe someone scratched Well, and everybody car. would be ju- – well, yeah, I'd be mad too if I just bought a brand new car. My kid ran his bike down the side of it. Yeah, that would make me mad. So we bring others in for validation in our – in our drama. Oh, it's pathetic. <laughs> We're talking with Kim Giles from the website, claritypointcoaching.com. You got to go check out the website. Brand new. We, we got a facelift. Yeah. Yeah. You got a facelift. You got a little tuck. I saw the, you got a little tummy tuck in the middle of the page. Yeah. Even the bottom. I looks like great. it. it looks the feet good. are looking good. Everything's there. Um, we're going to take a break. Go to claritypointcoaching.com. We'll come back more with Kim as she tries to get us to face our fears, really, and lose maybe some of the negative talk. Or figure out why we tend to like and enjoy, benefit from some of our negative thinking. We'll learn how to process those emotions better. That's exactly what we wanted. Kim Giles, she'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. To the Matt Townsend Show, in the house, Kim Giles is joining us from uh, ClarityPointCoaching.com. you got to go to the website, take her fear assessment, um, and just, again, more pound for pound, more free information on that website to learn from than any other site, second only to Wikipedia. Wow. That's a promo. Thank you. That's a good promo. So, um, because part of it, I guess, is we, we don't... We don't know how to process these feelings. We don't know how to process this emotion. So we, we think, I guess, we need to share how miserable we are. 
And yet that just kind of makes everyone else more miserable. Well, I think maybe psychologists have have given sharing your emotion a bad rap that it's always healthy. Yeah. And and I find for a lot of people really talking about all the negative emotion, at some level this could be helping you process. But at another level, it could be just making it bigger right. and wallowing in it and spreading your misery <laughs> around with yeah. other people. And I mentioned to you one of my favorite – books is called Letting Go, The Pathway to Surrender by Mm -hmm. David Hawkins. And he says there's three things we generally do with emotion when we feel it, whether it's anger or sadness, whatever emotion, we either suppress them or we kind of stuff it. And that's definitely not healthy. We express it and we talk about it, but possibly too much and give power to it and make it bigger. Or we try to escape from it. And distract ourselves basically from it. And obviously, if you're dealing with something like grief, I have a friend that lost a child recently. Mm. And obviously, I mean, these are emotions that he he needs to feel and process and go through. But there are moments it makes sense for him to distract himself a little bit and be able to focus on other things. Right. Right. I mean, you need to. You've got you you don't want to just he couldn't get anything done. Right. And there's a time for expressing emotion and sharing how you feel. But also, if he spent all day expressing, Mm -hmm. it's blowing it up and and making it bigger, not necessarily healthy. So David Hawkins recommends another option that's process the emotion. And so we are going to think it through. And sometimes it does help to process with someone. Sure. But it's different than just expressing I think expressing yeah. is really wall- wallowing. Well, in communication theory, we always say that uh, you make things real by creating meaning around them. So the more you talk about something, the more you're actually generating a meaning for it. Even if the meaning's not accurate, it it's feels like feel it is. Accurate. And so sometimes talking about things, if you're going to create meaning that's really negative and not accurate, may not be healthy. Okay, so our goal yeah. is we've got to process it in an accurate yeah. way where we can kind of step back from it. That's why some fighting doesn't work because you're, it's not going to create a healthier You're not getting anywhere positive. Right. Let's just figure out what's really going on. Then let's maybe process it or sure. communicate it. So uh, I, this happened to me a while back. I got pulled over by you the did. police for running a stop sign. Yeah. And I've I was there, angry. That. I thought I stopped, and I maybe didn't stop the full three seconds, but I thought I stopped, and and I sat there in the car, and I was seething Mm. with anger towards this cop. (laughs) So I thought, this is a perfect example. I can call all my friends and complain and express how I feel, or I could process it. And so these are kind of some of my steps. First, take some time and sit with it. Just Just sit with it. notice what you're feeling. And I remember sitting there going, this amount of anger is – it's interesting that I could be this – I'm not a really angry person, but I am yeah. – Woo! feel how strong this is. And then my next question is, what could I be feeling this for? Hmm. Is it serving me in any way? Could it teach me anything useful to have this human experience to feel this? And I – what came to mind is that we've been seeing on the news um, a lot of people angry at the police for bad treatment. Right. And, you know, I have an African-American yeah. daughter, so we're kind of close You're to this. You're feeling that, sure. And I sat there and realized if I was African-American and was pulled over more often, 
and I'm this and you're angry going through this now. Emotion. Imagine how angry mm. I can understand how angry they would be. This experience yeah. let me have the opportunity to understand that at a different level. And I really believe life is a classroom and every experience is here to teach us something. So this emotion you're feeling, whatever it is, it's a lesson. It's here to teach you something. Yeah, whether so, you want it or not. So do you think that's I, I a think good that's huge. I think it's step? brilliant, totally. What could it teach me? Um, I also look at what's behind it. What am I afraid of? Yeah, what's the deeper thing here? I believe everything we're feeling is triggering a fear. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was fear of loss. I think it was loss of money, loss yeah. of time that made me feel like I was being robbed by this policeman. Sure. Yeah. And or, so, or just that they're making you like you're a spectacle. Oh, everybody driving by was watching. It could have <laughs> like, triggered my fear of yeah, looking bad, uh-huh. too. That's interesting. So when you can recognize the fear that's behind it, you can also step back and realize, okay, really, this isn't that big of a deal. What people think of me doesn't really matter. We can process our way through the fear because most fears are so irrational. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't need to go there. But that's a great thing. Just how is it serving me? Is something going on? What's the deeper trigger here? Yeah. That's good. Now, one of the many free things on my website, I've got a little ebook on processing emotions that actually has this information. And in it are some charts, levels of consciousness charts that David Hawkins first kind of came up with. Yeah. But what's interesting is you look at whatever emotion you're having right now and you can find it on the chart. And all the emotions on the bottom are the, the fear-based ones. With the very worst being shame. Huh, right. And then up to the top, the very highest would be love. And you can see where you're falling right now. Oh, and it shows you how ha- how much happiness you are capable of at that place. Because you're limited, right, by this oh, yeah. feeling. Shame, you're not feeling very much happiness. Um, anger and, and hate towards somebody is pretty low yeah. on the happiness scale. Right. So I look up and I look at some other options because in every moment, you have other options. Absolutely. So I could choose gratitude right now, that we have a police force that protects us. They do their job. Her pulling over people who run stop signs at some level is going to make me you. safer. Yeah. I could choose gratitude. And one, two seconds later, I can be out of that emotion and be feeling something different as soon as I recognize I have other mm-hmm. choices. But you might even then bounce back to it. To wallow again. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yes. you'll, you'll bounce back in, in, in and out of it, won't you? Yeah, the fear will creep back in right. and you'll start being bugged. Well, like when you get the ticket and you got to pay for it. Oh, uh, here we go again. <sighs> I know. But it's a choice. That's what you're saying is make a choice. And you may not be, it's not, again, people are all like, but I can't be perfect at that. Well, don't be. Then just be just kind practice. of good at it. Well, life just, is a classroom. Yeah. We're here to practice and learn. Yeah. And even my friend who, who lost their child, this has been an amazing growth opportunity to notice all day, every day, that our emotions are something we can choose. Hmm. We can process them in a healthy way or an unhealthy way, and we determine how miserable we're going to be today. So true. That is great advice. Give us one more for the road. What else What else can we do to, to process and keep processing? Uh, because this doesn't see. go away, and it doesn't <laughs> end with one you know idea. I mean, this is a process that will go on forever and ever and ever. I mean, you'll so, get pulled over again. Absolutely. I had a client recently who got this little app that's supposed to help you um, sleep better. Mm-hmm. And every morning it asks you, well, what's your attitude? What's your mood waking up this morning? And you enter 
smiley face <laughs> or frowny face or whatever your mood. And she realized it's a choice. I could wake up this morning and pick smiley face every day yeah. if that's what I'm going to choose. And, you know, scientists tell us 95% of our choices are on right. autopilot. But that conscious ability that you have to override all of that is amazing. You can override all the negative in any moment and choose And you do it every day, huh? and love yeah. every moment every of every day. Every second of every day. That's right. Every event, every situation, every meeting you've got to go to, every red light you come up to. You determine how you're going to experience it. <sighs> I always take a big deep breath and I'm like, okay, this is to teach me patience. I get that one a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> I think I need to work on that oh, one. Kim, you're great. You're great. Uh, wonderful stuff. Again, go to the website, claritypointcoaching.com. You can eventually even become a coach like Kim if you're out there in the coaching world and you're, you're thinking, I want to be like Kim when I grow up. You can go to her website. It's all Check right there. Check it out. Check Thanks, it out. Matt. Thank you. ClarityPointCoaching.com. We'll take a break. Come back. Visit those guys down at BYU Sports Nation. See what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to throw it down to our good friends at BYU Sports Nation. Spencer, are you there, friend? It's Jerem and Brian today. Oh, Je- Every I'm time. back. Jerem's back, but Spencer's gone. Yeah, Spencer's but gone. Brian's is- there. Brian Logan's here. It's a great right. day. Hello, what Brian. To your TV? You don't have a TV anymore? You can't well, we, see we, you know what? We don't turn it on because sometimes we can't. It doesn't work. Oh, I it's, think you should get that fixed. It's, it's a radio uh, station. They don't need no stinking TV. We don't need no stinking TV. Hey, uh, where were you, Jerem? Vacationing. If, you dare out. say? Oh, no, we heard. You went back east or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. At the end of last week, I was just chilling at home. Okay. Yeah. Just, just chill. chillaxing. Yeah. Chillax. I've not to brag. the last three weeks. It's been amazing. I was, uh, last <laughs> week, I was in Cancun. I heard that. Nice. How was that? You should see my tan. In fact, I'll bring you a bottle of it down because it's been falling off my forehead. (laughs) (laughs) It was way fun. You're going to have to wash those clothes for a while. I know. It's crazy. But uh, and I guess Brian doesn't go on vacation. No, I can't go on vacation because... Um, you have to be in to fill in at I all moments. To, yeah. When, when Spencer and Jeremy are gone, I have to be here. So no vacations for me. Hey, what, what do you guys think of the whole uh, <laughs> national... Brian went to Hawaii like a month ago. <laughs> Brian's full of it. He did. <laughs> Brian was in Hawaii hanging out. Doing I the, was. Doing the, the hooky line. You know what, though? I'm not going to lie... Um, you know, it, it was it was cool. It was my first exp- time in Hawaii, so it was nice, you know, with the beach and all that good stuff. But it 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 doesn't compare a vacation like mine. in Hawaii doesn't compare to Jerem's vacation when you know you don't go on the road with you know your wife or with your kid. Yeah, you, you know, you just it, it, that's a real vacation. That's you right. Know, to me, that's right. <laughs> vacation from your family. <laughs> Normally, it's with your family. I love family. my family. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I love my family. <laughs> but and, you know, I'm just saying. Sometimes I just need to be away from. Them. That, that's all I'm saying. It's true. I just it's need totally true. Me time. Totally. You're talking to Matt Townsend, man. We'll 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 fix that for you, Brian. <laughs> we'll fix that for you. Hey, the national, uh, the NBA finals, uh, Della Vadova is getting run all over the place. It is the, my favorite thing to watch. Well, it's over now. 
because yeah. <laughs> the it's last happened. two games he hasn't been uh, quite the same player he was, uh, you know, in game two or whatnot. Steph but Curry's, been, like, working him hard. Oh, okay, the MVP has returned. Yeah. The champ is here! That's what he said That's when right. he walked in. Did you night. hear the comment from LeBron that he is the best in the world? No one argues. I don't think anyone How could really you, argues yeah. that either. Well, and it, it's not cocky for him to say it. He's just delivering it. He's like, hello. It's I like think it's Jaren. absolutely cocky, and it's okay. I, I think that Michael Jordan knew he was the best player, and that's part of what made him great. Right? Sure, absolutely. And we're not used to people saying it about themselves. We That's not kosher in our society, right? Mm-mm. But I, I think it's okay because the dude's brimming with confidence. He's carrying the city of Cleveland on his back, uh, and we'll see what he's got tomorrow night. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely... It's definitely arrogant, but if you can back it up, yeah. I don't think it's that. He backs it up. Yeah, if you can back it, it up. With triple doubles and 40 points like, or whatever. Yeah. You're kind of like, mm, okay, you didn't mean to say that, LeBron, but okay. You mean, yeah. which, like, what can you really say? About yeah, that? be as cocky as you want if you're LeBron. Yeah, Michael, Michael Jordan was uh, a terrible teammate. Yet he's the greatest, one of the greatest winners of all time. I would say terrible person too. <laughs> and a terrible wow. person. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Wow. Know. But he I'm went. Just, I'm just playing. He went six for six kind in of. the NBA Finals. It's yeah. hard to argue yeah. against his greatness. Yeah. Speaking of greatness, um, I apparently they're starting to work on the building, the basketball building, because I that's all I hear nowadays. It's the Marriott Center Annex, and mm-hmm. it's at BYU. So we're calling it the YMCA. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's true. That's are you really? Nice. Yeah. That's Marriott just, Center Annex. MCA. I know, but that's so creepy because YMCA also was the was the place the crazy place where creeps would go swimming. <laughs> Luckily, there's no <laughs> swimming pool in there. <laughs> <laughs> just basketball. That's great. Hoops. What are you guys talking about on your show? You're still doing a show, right? I've been gone I think a week. So yeah, we okay, just good. showed up. We're just. Just throwing something together. We're just here so we don't get fined. Not, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Marshawn Lynch. Today we're going to talk about what could be the biggest win for BYU in the 2015 football season. There are a lot of really interesting games, notably in September, hmm. and then Missouri in November. Uh, Utah State on there, blah, blah, Nebraska, UCLA, Michigan, yeah. uh, Missouri, Boise State. What would be? What could be the biggest win? We're going to discuss that. Uh, We're going to have Brandon tough. Vogel from HailVarsity.com on. He covers okay. Nebraska. What did, what did those fans think of the matchup with BYU? And uh, we'll talk to Jeff Judkins, the women's basketball coach. They have some new rules. They're going to play quarters uh, now instead. They're, they're going to have a couple of different rules. We're going to talk to him about the effect that those will have. Cool. Plus, BYU ranks ahead of Florida State, Oregon, TCU, and Florida State in something. Mm. We'll tell you what mm. that is coming up. Mm-hmm. So do they play Nebraska as their opener? That's correct. Okay, my vote 5th, is for Nebraska as their biggest away. game. Okay. they they got to win that one. Because they win that one, they come out firing like crazy. I have a similar thought to you. And because you're going to have Vogel on, Mm -hmm. just milk that. Mm -hmm. Just say that's what what the good doctor said. Yeah, there are a bunch of different games. Is the first one, is the next one always the most important? We'll get that argument, which is, okay, yes, yes. Coach, speak aside. We can look at the whole schedule. Yeah. We're not coaches. Hey, um, just to leave you on a fun note, uh, <laughs> did you guys hear that the doctors in China removed 420 kidney stones from a patient? Whoa. Uh, his, laser that. His name was Mr. He, and he underwent a two-hour operation to remove the stones. How do you do that? It's because he had wow. a very—and this is, this is really important for you, Brian, because okay. I know you've got a big tofu-heavy diet. Mm-mm. Nope. Um, <laughs> but you can't eat that much tofu because if you eat too much tofu without water, enough water— you know, you're going to get backed up and have a lot of, a lot of uh, 
kidney stones. Did you say 420? 420 little kidney stones. By the way, I have had two. I have passed two kidney stones. Mm-hmm. I named both of them. Uh, one was Spencer named and Chip, and the other was Tug, because <laughs> he hurt a lot. And um, and uh, but you got to be careful. So I'm just you know, guys, drink water, less tofu. Anytime you have uh, pairs of two, you should name them Spencer and Jeremy. <laughs> Next time I'll name my kidney stones after the boys downstairs. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> if I have twins, I'm going to name Jeremy and Spencer. Really? I am. I will do it I for would, sure. But I want to make sure that you guys pay child support. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> And if you want visitation, I'll give you visitation. Whatever. Okay, guys. I'm fine with just a weekend. (laughs) Have a a great show, guys. Thanks, Maddie. Take care of your kidneys. Hasta luego. That's crazy. 420 kidney stones. Oh, what if you had to pass those? Again, having passed two, I'd rather die. I would rather die than pass 420 of those bad boys. But again, if you're eating a lot of of tofu, please, please hydrate. Hydrate, hydrate. You got that, James? Because I know in your with your new wife and your new uh, di- your new diet, you're really tofu heavy. Yeah, yeah, we are. Well, I, so you're saying you don't want to do what you have done in the past 210 more times? No. Can you imagine? All at the same time? No. Seriously, rather die. I wonder what the labor equivalent is of that. Is that like a week long labor? No, it's like delivering the earth. <laughs> It's like delivering one big chip called Mother Earth, which I pray you never have to suffer. Um, Here's a great hero story. You know we like to always end on a hero story. Uh, The senior class at Profile High School in New Hampshire, that's our hero. The intro was basically this. uh, After finding out the news that their school's principal had been diagnosed with a rare form of cancer, these students decided to do something flat out amazing. The senior class at Profile High School in New Hampshire, they've been saving for four years for their senior class trip. They were excited and ready to graduate. This group of students received a bit of, a, of sad news just weeks before graduation. Their school's principal was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer, and as a result, they would have to miss quite, he would have to miss quite a bit of school the following year. Knowing that the treatments are expensive and difficult, the senior class came together and decided to help. Instead of going on their senior trip, the students decided to give their $8,000 that they earned to their principal. Stunned and a little hesitant, the principal replied with a tearful, I don't even know what to say, he said. Her uh, students said that the vote to give their money was unanimous. One student even quoted, was quoted saying, she is always selfless. We just wanted to do something selfless, too. How cool is that? Senior class... At Profile uh, High School in New Hampshire, you are the hero of the day, Townsend's Heroes. Seriously, if you have ever questioned if our our youth today, uh, if they're strong enough, if they are a a strong, healthy generation, that's all the evidence you need. Folks, you know, you got it good. Again, I've talked a lot about my trip abroad to Mexico. And Mexico's a great place. And I have a son that lives down there and will be coming home in the next 10 days or so. But in, in the end, you've also got it really good here in the United States. And on the show, we've talked about a bunch of different things today. Um, seriously, the impact of a lot of our uh, politics and how what that has on us. But we've also got to decide how we want to live. Uh, what kind of legacy do you want to live? And if you want to have a say 
then you you better be voting for heaven's sakes. You don't have to like the politics and politicians, but get involved. Find out who is your best pick, and please prepare to vote. Also in the show, we talked to Julie Gunlock, who um, is uh, basically has written a book about alarmism and how we are way too into just trying to scare everybody into being healthier, eating healthier. There's a new study out every week. Day after day, we're finding out all of these new things we should be doing. And yet, in the end, um, get informed. Just because you hear that your garden hose is dangerous doesn't mean it is. Just because you're told your child should sleep on their belly or their side or their back, you might want to figure out what the what the real research is saying. Don't just take somebody that's trying to sell you some goods. One of the things I did learn down in Mexico is that, uh, you know, the street vendors will tell you anything. When they when we were looking for um, a little baby uh, outfit that we wanted for our grandbaby yet to be born in October, uh, you know, pretty much everybody on the street basically said that they also had just had a baby. So people will tell you anything that they think you will believe. But in the end, you get to make decisions. You're a grown-up. You're a big person. And on this show, we want to give you the tools and the ideas and the information to make the best decisions for your life. And also, we also want to make sure that you see the good in the world. It's too easy to just sit there and be negative and feel negative about life. But I promise you, it can always get worse and it can always be better if you would just look for the good in the world. So that's the show. Again, we're back tomorrow. More ideas, more tools. You can find us on iTunes and tune in. Go check out our podcast. Forward those podcasts to anybody you think needs it. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Until tomorrow, be safe and make it a good day.